When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As of right now, we are at war. How desperate you call on such lost creatures to defend you? How desperate am I? You threaten my world with war. You steal a force you can't hope to control. You talk about peace and you kill because it's fun. You have made me very you might not be glad that you did there was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people to see if they can become something more Welcome to the 100th episode of Fury's Finest, a podcast about Marvel Crisis Protocol and the Marvel Universe. My name is Jesse Aiken, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host Christopher Bruffett. Chris, 100 episodes. Jesse, first and foremost, I would like to congratulate you on (laughs) getting to 100 episodes. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesse does a lot of work for this podcast and uh it is incredible that we've gotten here and it's awesome so jesse congratulations thank you man thank you chris and congrats to you don't sell yourself short i always do baby i know i know you're the man behind the scenes that make our core episodes happen without you our core episodes wouldn't happen because they're the lifeblood of our show we dive into a character's lore history movies strategy and we have all these deep discussions and we and we get into this condensed format that we think you can enjoy and kind of process and most of that is due to chris so it's fun that we kind of meet in the middle chris because i get to do a lot of side episodes on top of our normal content but you and i have done a lot of side episodes too including after dark including commentaries including year in reviews i love that we do our year in reviews now those are some of my favorite episodes to do I think they're some of my favorite too because they help you and I remember what we did the previous year, how much happened in MCP and the MCU, but also kind of helps you and I reflect, improve, progress, think right. forward. You know, there's a lot of cool things like that. Also, let's not forget you and I on this show have done many reviews of MCU content, movies, television shows, and that's going to continue. We think it's also another lifeblood part of our show because something we're excited about we want to share with you guys and hopefully our excitement extends to you but chris today we're at 100 episodes we've got something special for them jesse we do so we thought we'd do something really special for the 100th episode and chris and i were bouncing ideas back and forth for some time you know it's one of those things like we're in the middle of midnight suns right now and we're like well we could just do a midnight suns episode or we could do our 100 episode we should probably do our 100 episode and we'll get back to the midnight suns you know so that's okay midnight suns are on hold for a second but i thought you know what could we do that would cover our show and you and i are kind of at a standstill honestly there was a bunch of ideas we had i i didn't have many ideas past moon night honestly 
not good ones. Well, and also we've got a bunch of MCU content right now that we want to talk about, and that made sense to be a hundred episode, like the yep. state of the MCU, Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness review. The stuff's coming still. That hasn't been get, getting rid of. But we had a great idea from a patron on the patron Discord. Felix, one of our patrons who is Scarecrow on the Discord, Chris, I'm just going to let you read his comment because this kind of ignited a flame in us. It's true. I begin the quote. Crazy idea for the 100th episode if you've not already gotten one. We've got nearly 100 characters, right? What about a 60-second pitch for each character with lore and a super quick card breakdown? Silly but I thought I'd mention it. No, Felix, it's not silly. It's happening. It's happening. It's happening right now. It's a great idea. You kind of just helped us nail down exactly what we wanted to do. And turns out, Chris, that before the release of Supergiant and Black Swan and Heimdall and Scourge, which is where we're currently at in the game right before the next mini extravaganza, we are at 107 models, technically putting us at 111, if you include those four I just mentioned. Absolutely insane. And also, Chris, what a perfect timing for us to be at, to do this episode because mini extravaganza is about to happen. And this is the calm before the storm. I'm actually very pleased this lined up in this way. Get ready for it. Mini extravaganza is going to, I have a feeling they're going to hit us hard this year. I just, I know it. You know, every the mm. world's opening back up. You know, we're we're both playing in a week to week league and at, a, right. at our local game store here. Now's the time to hit it. Uh, a lot of the board game companies are doing it. And I think Atomic Mass is going to drop some some of that dank nasty on us. Perfectly said. And we will be covering a lot of that on the show. You guys know we will do a full summary of mini extravagance when it happens. Also, our patron discord will be very active that weekend. So keep an eye on that if you're a patron. But yeah, Chris, that puts us at 107 characters. As of right now, they're out in the world. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to do a, as Felix suggested, a 60-second version of Fury's Finest, where Chris is going to give us a lore background, who the character is, maybe some of their motivations, something important about them. And I'm going to give a quick summary of what they're like in the game and how they play. But before we do that, Chris, we have some business to attend to. Fury's Finest is supported by Discount Games, Inc. Go to DiscountGamesInc.com for all your Marvel Crisis Protocol needs. Our patrons support this show, Fury's Finest, at Patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. If you enjoy this show and it brings value to your life, maybe consider supporting us with a monthly contribution. And we take this time to thank every patron for their support. This week, we have a very special shout out and thanks to Joshua. Thanks, Josh. Thank you, Josh. And of course, Chris, now we have a whole team of Avenger producers as of last episode. So we're going to thank our Avenger producers, like we do every episode, Zach Attack, Rusty, Dylan, Nathan, and Brian. Thank you, Avengers. Thank you, Avengers, very much. Without you guys, the uh, Avengers Initiative wouldn't be a thing. And that's why we're here. And we have a lot of plans for this year that we've been succeeding in doing, Chris. And a lot of those are because of the patrons and especially the Avenger patrons because stuff like After Dark and these TTS leagues and now the painting gallery with no doors painting competition. And now Chris and I have upgraded our gear and our recording setups. All this wouldn't be possible without you guys. And we've got some prizes planned for these contests coming forward in the future too. So Patreon's making this stuff happen. Let's just get into it. Okay, so if you guys are listening at home, we're going to give you a quick summary of what we're going to do with this because we are going to go at a pretty fast pace if we're planning to get through almost 110 characters, 107 to be exact. Lore-wise, you're going to get more of a blurb on some lesser-known characters. 
I'm not going to give you guys Peter Parker's origin story. I'm just not. Yeah. Maybe some tenets of uh, what he does, you know, or certain things like that. So same with strategy. We're not going to go through every stat, every attack, every superpower like normal. No, we're just going to go through some basic concepts, ideas, and their threat level and how they perform in the game. So you can always check out our main show for in-depth versions of all these characters because of course, we haven't done every character like this on the show, Chris, but we've done a lot of them and we will do all the characters on this list in the future. So if you want more information and lore strategy, definitely check out the primary episodes with these characters names. But I think with that, Chris, we just got to get into it. And I will say listener at home, we will be going alphabetical. We will not be going CP order. This is just a way that we guarantee we did not miss any models at all. And, you know, the CP order is also very out of whack. You know, Dormammu is an early CP, but he came out much later. There's a lot of crazy things going on. It's wild. CPs don't matter. What matters is who's in the game. And we're going to cover everybody, including some repeat characters. And in that case, Chris will give a lore on that character. And then we'll just go through the strategy two times essentially that makes sense I'm looking at you black widow well also with our first our starting off here we're going to start with amazing spider-man and this is of course peter parker and this is representing peter parker as a veteran crime fighter and as yes. jesse will let you know uh, his threat level kind of corresponds to that compared to the core box you know four threat spider-man and uh you know this is classic peter parker man he's just experienced right he's an experienced Bingo. spider-man Speaking of that experience, Chris, Amazing Spider-Man, we have one of the fastest models in the game. As of right now, Amazing Spider-Man and Angela are the two fastest models in the game, and no one's faster than them. So he's very fast. He does good damage. He is a leader. He's a secondary leader for the Web Warriors. Very important. This is the leadership that lets you slow your enemies by spending power to slow them. And of course, he's got that mastered Spidey sense where he can reroll any number of defense dice or Ooh. dodge dice. He's a very defensive control-based character, and he costs five threat. Five Threat is a pretty tough ask uh, right now. A lot of good characters in that slot. Yep. But we love him, and his power level seems correct for that veteran, you know, in his 30s Spider-Man that we come to know and love. But moving on, Chris, we have a new character, Ancient One. Ancient One is Doctor Strange's primary mentor, trainer, very powerful sorcerer, uh, served as the Sorcerer Supreme for a very long time and also jesse you know kind of a character uh i think we're gonna see around i agree not only in the mcu but here in mcp i think to piggyback off of you chris she's a four threat defensive character they probably could fit in a lot of teams interesting things about her she has extremely high mystic defense average energy defense and low physical defense but then she also has her own version of spidey sense where she gets to roll two dice every time she does a defensive roll on top of that she's got a good slew of mystic attacks and she has a couple control features where she can pull people towards her or she can teleport herself forward top it off she's got martial arts she's counting blanks if you're in range two of her it's great pretty nasty pretty nasty all right let's move on to angela here Uh, now the coolest parts about angela is that she is an angel from the spawn universe and through the magic of the uh, united states legal system is now in the Marvel 616 universe. Angela is an Asgardian. Uh, she's incredibly fast, uh, has her like psionic ribbons. Very cool character design. Yeah, she's just a bad mamma jamma, dude. She kills for money. 
Oh, and sport. And sport, yeah. So to represent that in the game, Angela is our other fastest character in the game. Once again, she's a medium-based long-mover character. She's Asgardian, and she's five-threat. Her defenses are four across the board, which is very powerful, and she has great attack suite of attacks. She also can throw large terrain, and she has a trigger, Chris, where she can spend power if she dazes someone to perform another free attack, kind of like something we're going to see on Carnage coming up. But you did mention she's Asgardian, so she gains more power in the power phase, and she has flight and those living ribbons. So a very fast high damage character, which is pretty unique because it's almost like she's an objective runner on top of being a good damage dealer. Next up is Ant-Man, Scott Lang. He's a lovable, down-on-his-luck dad. Uh, He's an ex-con, got a hold of the Pym Particle suits, the Ant-Man helmet, and uh, became the second Ant-Man. Fun character, you know, kind of one of those uh, underground D-list characters. I like him a lot. Absolutely. We love Scott Lang and we love Paul Rudd playing him in the MCU. But yep. to talk about Ant-Man in the game, Chris, he's one of those characters that is easily forgotten but should not be ignored. So Ant-Man was our first instance in the game of the transform mechanic. That's where you transform into a different miniature and you place a different miniature within range one of the current miniature you have out. We're hoping to see more of this in the future in the game. And we already got a couple more instances since Ant-Man, but he transforms to his tiny side. What's crazy about this is his tiny side has different powers and attacks than his normal side. And this is a big tenet of his character. On top of that, you add that he has some of the best mobility in the entire game where he can hitch a ride and ride Antony for free, go range three anywhere he wants, get on an objective. He's a very sticky character on secures and that's kind of his goal and it's why you bring him he's very good all right jesse let's move on to number five it is baron mordo he is the former apprentice to the ancient one formerly dr stephen strange's colleague classmate school rival turned his primary one of his primary bad guys love it great summary chris so baron mordo is a three threat support piece for convocation or other bad guy teams. Basically in the way if he gives out conditions, he pushes, he gives out hexes, he can gain power like Wong, but he can do it better. He can get two power through his meditation, which is Master of the Occult. He has two super cool abilities. Number one, Soul Barb. He chooses an enemy of range three and passes their condition to other enemies. Very cool. And also he has the Ferocity of Sidorak, which is a budget version of Death's Decree on Thanos, which is give more dice to your ally when they attack, but after the attack's resolved, your ally suffers a damage. Very cool. Also, let's not Forget to mention, Chris, he's a medium-sized base with flight. He's got good movement, but he's not doing a ton of damage. You don't always need damage, though. You just don't always need it. Let's move on, Jesse, to number six, Baron Zemo. Of course, this is Helmut Zemo, uh, long-time Hydra-adjacent, always bad guy, worked for Red Skull, constantly working with the massive criminal organizations, and very well portrayed in Falcon and Winter Soldier. So Zemo's from the core set. And he's still one of the better three threats in the game currently. He's a long mover with charge. He's great at attacks because he has rerolls for himself and allies. He also has defensive rerolls for himself and allies. And he's got Counter-Strike. He's got Master Swordsman where he can fix his dice. And he's got one of the better spenders in the game, Chris, where he just spends two power, has a decent attack that's range three, but then he gives a bleed and advances away or towards medium. So it's like another version of charge on top of that. So an incredible swordsman in the game that gives your team some strong support with three rolls. Will there be a three threat that's ever better than Baron Zemo? Good questions. 
Let's move on to number seven. It is Beast, Hank McCoy, an original X-Men. He is, of course, one of the super geniuses of the Marvel 616 universe. Sometimes he's a bad guy. He's a very acrobatic young man. We all love Beast. We all love Beast. And he's a great piece in the game. He's a great affiliated X-Men member because he is a fairly tanky, fast-moving, wall-crawling character with a medium-sized base, with a medium move. That's got respectable attacks. But more importantly, Chris, he has one of the better throws in the game. He has a size 2 throw for 2 power. So Beast being affiliated with the Avengers, that throw costs one in Avengers, and he's an Avenger. So gross. He also has interesting sort of economy mechanics for himself. He's got stars and garters where he can basically spend power to reroll defense or dodge dice at will. And he also has disconcerting yet provocative, one of my favorite Beast lines and one of the coolest things about his character. Anytime he rolls dice, whether it's an objective, attacking, defending, whatever it is, as long as he rolled a skull, he gains power. So he's got his own little power building engine on top of being a good objective based sort of secure character. All right, Jesse, next up is Black Bolt. That is Black Agar Boltagon. For those of you counting at home, he is the king of the Inhumans. He is a member of the Illuminati. He ranks very high on the Chris Cool rankings of Marvel <laughs> heroes. <laughs> Uh, has an incredibly powerful superpower, and that is just his voice. Very interesting character. And Black Bolt's very interesting in this game, and we should see more of him. So he is a five-threat character, so that we get into that five-threat discussion again. Maybe there's an episode in the future with that, Chris. But he is the leader of the Inhumans, so he gives the Inhumans a affiliation ability where essentially they get advanced R&D every turn. They can pass power with each other every turn without a card, which is very cool. He's got a great energy attack and a great physical punching attack. He's also got ways to modify to modify his attacks with focus power or to modify his defenses with anti-gravitational field. Of course, he's our first inhuman we've talked about. And I've got to mention while we're here, all inhumans get one reroll on their attack and defense dice rolls. So the inhumans are just very consistent with their defenses. And they're also all immune to the poison because they got hit with that terogenesis. And more importantly, Chris, Black Bolt is a different character on the back because when he flips, his stamina goes up from five to whopping nine. Absolutely insane. Ooh. And then he gets his whisper attack online because now you've made him mad. And his whisper attack is a beam four strength of nine attack that gives out stagger. It's Insane. one of the most effective attacks in the game, but he has to be on his backside to do it. Next up is Black Cat, Felicia Hardy. She is Spider-Man's sometimes love interest. She is the sometimes kingpin of crime in New York City. Mm. She is a cat burglar. And she has a uh, luck uh, manipulation, but unlike Domino and and a say a long shot, hers is the opposite way. She's giving others bad luck. Love it. So Felicia in this game represents all the things Chris just mentioned. She is a long moving criminal who has stealth and gives characters bad luck. Enemy characters cannot modify their attack dice when attacking Black Cat. On top of that. She's got decent attacks. Her attacks don't really matter. Uh, her triple maker attack gives the enemy stagger auto, which is great. And then she also has a grappling hook to place herself without taking movement actions. But most importantly, Chris, she has master cat burglar. As long as she gets range one of an enemy character, she can spend three power and take their objective token from them. She is a master burglar and that's represented on her card. And it's why she's probably going to always be around. She's not going anywhere. 
Next up is Black Dwarf. Black Dwarf is a member of Thanos' Black Order. He was chosen to be part of the Black Order because he's so big, powerful, and good at fighting. That is Black Dwarf. And the strategy is going to sound very similar, Chris. Black Dwarf is a four-threat, high-stamina character because he has six on the front, eight on the back. Insane. And he's got some decent close-range attacks, and he's got invulnerability to reduce damage and bringing into him like lizard and also he has intimidating presence which is sort of that reverse bodyguard if black dwarf's in your face he can make you attack him so we call it the taunt instead of the bodyguard and that's really what he is he's just a body on the table and he's an impressive one i really enjoy that taunt uh mechanic i think it is a great way to be defensive but keeping the initiative while doing it i I really enjoy it absolutely Next up, Jesse, is Black Panther. Of course, T'Challa, King of Wakanda, sometimes Lord of the Undead, sometimes the Panther Totem, not always King of Wakanda, and not always the Black Panther. Always super smart, always a member of the Illuminati. Sometimes Husband to Storm, another favorite character of ours. It's true. So Black Panther is a four-threat leader in this game. He is King of Wakanda, so that's the leadership for the Wakandans. When an allied character is attacking, defending, or dodging during the modified dice step, it can spend one power. If it does, it can reroll one of its dice. Very strong for Wakanda. Black Panther himself is a very tanky, fast-moving character that also has tons of control. Because when his strike is just resolved, Chris, the character is automatically pushed, which is just very Gross. strong. So on top of him being tanky, He's got the vibranium armor when defending against physical and energy attacks. He adds blanks to his defense rolls. He also has pounce. He can throw himself at people and deal damage to them. He's a very cool character. And once again, one of those characters not going away and he's going to be everywhere. But most importantly, he is a leader. So we're always going to see leaders, which is very cool. Next up is the Black Widow. It is Natasha Romanov. She is an extremely highly trained and brainwashed assassin from the Russian government. Of course, she defected and eventually became a member of S.H.I.E.L.D. I think she ran S.H.I.E.L.D. for a bit. Otherwise, just incredibly trusted Avenger and confidant to Nick Fury. That's both Black Widows. Very cool. So we're covering two models now in strategy. We're covering Black Widow and Black Widow Agent Shield. So Black Widow is a two-threat corset character that is a long mover with stealth that is really good at running objectives. And that's her goal. But then we have Black Widow Agent of Shield, who's a three-threat, does more better damage. She has rapid fire attacks. She also has tear gas and widow's kiss. She gives out conditions or she can push character. But most importantly, Black Widow Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. has interrogate at the start of the cleanup phase. If, if Black Widow Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. is range two of one or more enemy dazed characters, you can spend three power to use a superpower. The controlling player increased the amount of APs they score from crisis cards this turn by one. So she's one of the few characters in the entire game that scores you VPs outside of the crisis. We have a couple more, but she's one of the few is very cool. Very strong, very interesting mechanic. Next, let's move on to the Daywalker. It is Blade, Eric Brooks. He hates Dracula so, so much. Right. After the movie came out, of course, he became a terminally cool hero and eventually gained the superpowers that he had in the movie, in the comics, by being bitten by Morbius the Living Vampire. Yeah, being that actual superhero vampire without the number one weakness of vampires, which is sunlight and daytime. 
So we just talked about Blade on the show. So it's pretty funny. He's come up again. But Blade is a four-threat leader of the Midnight Suns. Midnight Suns have the ability for their leadership once per turn. Anytime during an alley character's activation, if they spend one power, they can be placed range one. Very strong. Positioning is this entire game. So why we love it. Cool things about Blade. He gives out consistent mystic attacks, which is very unusual for a beater character because he has a beater character. He has a physical attack of throwing glaives. But Chris, some of the things you and I talked about, he can't really be given conditions with this half-blood physiology. And then he has supernatural senses against defensive attacks if he has power to do it. But the lifeblood of his kit, Vampiric Immortality, at the end of his turn, he gains one power and removes one damage from himself for every enemy and allied character within range two of him that has bleed on them because he's drinking that blood and getting stronger. So you're really wanting to spread those attacks out, get as many bleeds on the table as you can so you can heal. So it's not really spiky damage uh, around the table if you're playing him, you know, in this style. So uh, very kind of interesting character to me. Yeah, we talked about that, Chris. His biggest strength is sustaining and tanking through stuff. Next up is Bob, Agent of Hydra. And I'm not going to lie to you here, guys. Bob is just a generic henchman. That's what he is. (laughs) Or... Is he all of them? Oh, is he all the Hydra agents? I'm not really sure anymore. Jesse, things are getting weird. We need to move on. So Bob is a one of the strangest two threat characters in the game. He is just annoying. And I say he's just annoying. He is super annoying. You can't really kill him. Instead of him being KO'd, he just dazes himself, which is great, as long as he hasn't activated. And he's got a one-use attack. I say one-use. You could potentially get it off twice if you load yourself a rocket again. But excessive violence is range for strength of nine bazooka attack. And Bob spins his bazooka. It's a one-time thing and uh, potentially can do a lot of damage or not. You know, he's kind of a a fun character in that way. Very strange. We don't see him a lot in the game outside of his teams, but I'm very happy he's here. He frustrates me. Next up, we're going to move on to Bullseye. That's all Benjamin Poindexter, we think. We're not really sure what his real name is. He's a really bad guy, has no empathy, but I think his skill is, uh, you know, borderline metahuman at times. So is he super powered? Is he not? It's up in the air. Let's talk about that metahuman power, Chris, because I think it's one of the cooler Marvel powers. He can turn any item into a projectile weapon. And he doesn't miss. And he doesn't miss on top of that. So you give him a card, you give him a thumbtack, whatever it is, it's coming out at lightning break speed and hitting you and uh, it's going to hurt you real bad. So bullseyes like that in the game. He's another two threat character. So he's one of those cheap characters in the game. He's got normal defenses and normal health, but he puts out strong damage because he's got attacks that ignore cover. He's got attacks that have rapid fire. He's got hit and run. And he also has, I never miss, as long as he has one power to spin, Chris, he can make the the characters suffer one damage. And guess what? When his attack is resolved, he gains one power. So he always has one power after the attack is resolved to trigger, I never miss. So if you have characters on one life left, Bullseye can sweep in and just kill all of them. Because all he has to do is perform an attack to guarantee a a daze or KO. Very strong two-threat character. Next up is Cable. It's Nathan Summers, Scott, and Gene's kid from an alternate future timeline. I love him so much. He's infected with the techno-organic virus. He's been molded and shaped by his absolute worst possible future that he lives in. And that's kind of his biggest superpower in a lot of ways. That he's the lone survivor. Yep. So Cable is a very cool character in the game. He is another leader. It's very cool hitting all these leaders, Chris. He has the wet works ability for the X-Force on his card. Each allied character may reroll one die in their attack rolls once per turn. So he just gives you a consistency on attacks. He is a pretty 
healthy five threat character. But most importantly, Chris, he has very powerful long range attacks and he has strong support for your team mainly in the way of telekinetic shield and he has body slide where he can move himself range two without taking a move action so he can guarantee he gets double attacks off he's also immune to poison because of that virus he also gains more power during the power phase because of that virus but i would be remiss not to mention it while we're here chris he has one of the biggest throws in the entire game of any character there's certain characters that can't even throw what he can throw because omega level threat he can spend one to four power and then he chooses an interactive train feature of range three from him which is awesome with size equal to or less than the power you spent. So a train piece size one to size four, and then you throw it medium. He is second only to Magneto and Scarlet Witch and Angela with these giant throws. So he's he's right there with the best of them, of these throwing characters. All right, Jesse, it is time to move on to the Captain's America. We're going to cover Steve Rogers first. And of course, he was frozen in a block of ice since World War II. We all know his thing but of course in the marvel in the marvel canon he kind of represents the ultimate leader the selfless and uh, ideals and principle over overall and that is kind of his place in the marvel universe that's right he's the lawful good man to a t so that's his thing so chris captain america is our first leader in marvel christ protocol this is a very big moment talk about him he is the leader of the avengers and he gives the avengers the ability a day like any other affiliation avengers each turn you may reduce the power cost of the first superpower you use by an allied character by one to a minimum of one it's one of those abilities we're never going to see leave the game he's a forthright leader that's solid this leadership is just incredible it's nuts but let's also talk about cap he's got a good strike he can push size three characters with this strike he's got a great shield throw where he can potentially ricochet and hit more characters perform another free shield throw attack essentially and he's got vibranium shield where he, he can add additional dice to his defenses and on his backside he counts blanks for his defenses on top of the vibranium shield he's incredibly taking in the back but most importantly chris he's one of the few characters in the entire game that has bodyguard and bodyguard in its true sense above bodyguard not taunt bodyguard is very powerful in mcp because attack priority and targeting things that you want to attack is a big part of the game and Cap just gets right around that and he takes the attack on himself next up is Captain America Sam Wilson of course he was formerly known as the Falcon he's got a pet Falcon but sometimes it's a robot Falcon right you know he's uh, very fast got the wings flying around he takes up the mantle from Cap he does I I do I do love the idea of the Captain America being a mantle and not a specific person and you know, he and Bucky have both been Captain America, but I don't think Bucky should be Captain America. <laughs> More on that later. Very exciting. So Sam Cap is one of my favorite characters in the game, Chris. He's a long moving character with flight, which is already unique and fun. Only certain certain amount of characters have that. He has a shield throw. He doesn't have a good strike like Cap does, but he does have a shield throw. And he has that red wing assault, which you rarely do, but it's a bigger attack from his Falcon. But most importantly, he's a leader for the Avengers. He's a secondary leader for the Avengers. All new, all different. When this character, an allied character is dazed or KO'd, choose another non-dazed allied character. The chosen character removes one damage and one special condition and may advance short. So when you daze his members, other members are kind of joining the charge and you know getting to their ally. And it's it's very strong. And Sam also has charge and his own version of vibranium shield, but he has worse defenses. So his vibranium shield is not as good as Steve's. Next up is another captain. It's Captain Marvel, Carol Danvers. Of course, she has an extremely convoluted history at times. 
mm-hmm. uh, in in the comics. But it, what it boils down to is Carol is a military type, and she has the power of a son. There you Seems go. Seems good. <laughs> Seems good. She's a four-threat character in this game that has flight, and she's got some really cool immunities now, incinerate and poison, which makes sense. And she's got strong defensive stats and strong attacks, Chris. And her whole goal is to get into binary form, which costs four power. But when she gets in binary form, she adds two dice to all of her attacks and defense rolls until not the next turn. No, no, no. Until her next activation. Very paramount. You know that. So she becomes this sort of unkillable turret. You know, it's very cool. And she's a very unique character. She can also throw very large pieces of terrain, fitting her character once again as well. Next up is one of your favorites, Jesse. It's Carnage, Cletus Cassidy. And of course, in my opinion, he is the Marvel Universe's embodiment of just homicidal chaos. Uh, Carnage is Cletus Cassidy and the symbiote known as Carnage. Together they make the Carnage you know and hopefully do not love. They are a truly horrifying duo. Yep, one of the greatest Marvel villains in my opinion because, as you said, chaos, murder, like it's he's just, he's so pure evil. It just makes a great foil to our heroes, especially someone like Peter Parker. And I love seeing Carnage be stopped, you know, because he is so <laughs> powerful. And he's powerful in the game, Chris. He's a four-threat character with a ton of health 14 health and he's got powerful attacks but this is our first instance of a hardcore specialist in the game he has an incredible physical defense of five but then he has a mystic and energy offense of only one that's his drawback but his upside is this crazy ceiling where if he if he dazes or kills characters as long as he can pay three power he can paint the town red and heal all the damage off of himself so he's this very sort of high risk high reward character on top of that he has wall crawler pretty fast medium mover with a medium base and he has symbiotic serial killer and he also has that arch nemesis mechanic we don't see a lot against venom addy brock where he gets to just unload on venom and we have those unique interactions in the game where if you actually have a venom across the table from carnage you're gonna have different things happen in your game one of the very cool parts of this game Next up is Cassandra Nova, and I know I don't need to tell you guys anything about Cassandra Nova. She's obviously Charles Xavier's twin sister that he ate while in the womb and then became a a psychological being, a being of pure emotion and energy until she gained her own body that looks a lot like Charles Xavier's and then, uh, you know, ran roughshod through the X-Men. Clearly, uh, you all knew that. Everyone knows that. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Perfect, Chris. Perfect. So Cassandra Nova is another five threat in this game. She's got great health. She's got great attacks that control her enemies. She does damage. She gives out conditions. She can do her own version of booby traps. She's got stealth. She's got healing factor. She's got flight. She's kind of a jack of all trades character. And that kind of sums it up, even though her main goal is her main strength and goal is mystic attacks and defense she is one of those that i feel strongly should be in the game more i think she's very powerful but it's just a character people don't know simply so we're just not going to see her that much in the game you know (laughs) i mean not our listeners you guys all know the whole thing i know that (laughs) speaking of knowing a character next up is clea i mean guys i don't know a whole lot about clea yet either so this will be a little bit longer of an explanation than i've than you've gotten but here we go she is a sorceress. She is a disciple. She has even been Dr. Stephen Strange's uh, lover and eventually his wife, ultimately his successor as the Sorcerer Supreme. Clea is a human appearing uh, being from the uh, other dimension, the dark dimension. Of course. 
she's part of the Faltine race, which uh, Dormammu is also a part of. She is the daughter of Umar and the niece of Dormammu. She's a noble, noble person and sometimes the ruler of the Dark Dimension. So now you guys know a little bit about Clea. Yeah, she's a very cool character. So in the game, she's a three-threat support piece for mainly the Convocation, but I think she's also obviously got her place in the Dark Dimension. She's got some good mystic attacks, but more importantly, Chris, she's kind of a discount Red Skull because she has Descend to the Faultine. She takes an action, gains three power, rolls five dice for each skull rolled. She takes damage, but more importantly, she's gained three power. She's got a throw, and she's got a teleport for her allies. She's also immune to Incinerate because she is part of the Dark Dimension. I find that very cool. So she's sort of this hybrid of Red Skull and some other supports in the game. I think she's a great counterpick to a lot of characters and teams. I agree. Next up is one of my favorite mutants. It's Colossus, Peter Rasputin. He's a Russian-born mutant, has the ability to change his skin into organic metal. And of course, you've got to have him on the field to throw Wolverine across the field. That fastball special. It's so cool. I'm glad they made that card. Well, Chris, Colossus is a four-threat tanky bodyguard character and i say that because once again i mentioned there's only a few bodyguards in the game and he has it he has a lot of stamina he has a lot of defenses he has a decent throw and a decent spender attack and on top of that his bodyguard and his own version of cap's shield of the bows moy makes him one of the most defensive characters in the game even has more health than cap which is very cool and on top of that, he has organic steel. When he would suffer damage from an enemy effect, reduce the amount suffered by one to a minimum one. So he is just one of the tankiest characters in the game. Full stop. He's immune to bleed, but that's his role. And he's also a bodyguard member of your team. And I find it very cool because it's very indicative of Colossus we've seen in lore. Next up is Corvus Glade. He is best known as the husband to Proxima Midnight, the de facto leader of the Black Order in Thanos' absence. And when they break away from Thanos... Uh, Of course, it wasn't like that in the MCU, but that's okay. He's extremely deadly with the glaive, as you could guess by his name. Um, Very cool character design and uh, designed by one of my favorite comic book writers. So. Yeah, I liked him so much more in the comics than the MCU, and he's an impressive yeah. force in the comics as sort of a general to Thanos. So what can we say about Corvus Glaive that hasn't been said on every podcast ever, Chris? He is a four-threat, extreme damage-dealing character, but also he's considered a five-threat by a lot because a lot of people staple the reality gem to him where he counts a skull as a crit and just makes his dice even more consistent because he also has ways to make his dice consistent with Glaive's Edge, where he counts all dice in his attack that are blanks to successes. So now you add a skull into that. He has some of the best dice in the game with the reality gem and Glaive's Edge because he essentially almost all the dice results are positive for him. But his goal is to delete models and to do it quickly. He also has the Glaive of Immortality, just like Black Dwarf, where he can reduce damage by one to a minimum one. It's a staple of the Black Order. And he also can bear the time gem. But most importantly, he has Husband of Proxima Midnight. It's one of those game-breaking mechanics, but it's important to this character. At the end of Corvus's activation, if he's in range three of Proxima Midnight, he can spend one power. And if he does, Proxima gets to activate and vice versa. Very nice. Very big brain plays available. Next up is Crossbones. It is Brock Rumlow. In the comics, he has worked for two different Red Skulls. I thought that was kind of interesting. Oh, wow. Yeah. All around bad dude. Developed his superpower while with the Thunderbolts. 
And uh, his power, of course, is represented in MCP. And it, it is a giant explosion. Whoa. Whoa. So Crossbones is another one of those core set characters. He's a tanky, slow-moving character that deals very high damage when he gets in your face. And he has a nerd to pain, which is very cool in the core set. When this character suffers damage, he can spend a power to reduce the amount suffered by one. On top of that, he is aggressive, which we'll see later on She-Hulk. If he takes damage, he gets to advance short towards you. So he's just a aggressive bruiser character. Next up is a crystal. Crystalia Amaquilin is the princess of the Inhumans. Uh, she's able to psionically control the four elements, and she is, uh, of course, romantically linked to the Human Torch and had a brief marriage to Quicksilver. Crystal's pretty cool. She's one of those unique characters in the game we don't see a lot of. She's a three-threat character with long-range attacks that give out tons of conditions, but she doesn't do a ton of damage because she has four different attacks on her card, Chris. Very unusual for this game. She's got two physical attacks and two energy attacks, and each one of them give out a different condition. Those conditions are stun, push, slow, and incinerate. And on top of that, she's one of the only characters in the game that can perform three attacks in a turn because if she spends four power, she can perform a third attack as long as it's not one of the attacks she's performed prior. On top of that, she's an inhuman. She gets three rolls on attack and defense, like I mentioned, and also immunity to poison. And she's got an innate ability where enemies cannot shake within range three of her to remove incinerate, slow, and stun. So, so mainly for your team, she's a support piece when it comes to conditions. Next up is Cyclops, Scott Summers. He is an OG X-Men. He is the Boy Scout longtime leader of the X-Men and sometimes the uh, mutant race at large, famously husband to Jean Grey and the Phoenix, sometimes Emma Frost. Wolverine is better. (laughs) I love it. Cyclops is a four threat leader. Uh, He's the second leader for the X-Men. That's X-Men Blue. Once per turn, when an ally character declares an attack action, but before it chooses which attack to use, any number of allied characters within three of the attacking allied character can spend one power. For each one power spent this way, reduce the power cost of the attacking character by one to a minimum of one. So basically, he discounts attacks for your team, but it's hard to pull off. Scott is a very strong defensive character with good ranged attacks, and also he has hit and run, quick draw, and field leader, one of his best abilities where he can move allied models on his turn. And he's got a big beam, Chris, a big beam. Yes, he can do lots of damage. Next up is Daredevil. It is Matt Murdock. Daredevil is our favorite street-level hero here at Fury's Finest. Absolutely. You guys know Daredevil. Lawyer by day. Daredevil by night, based in Hell's Kitchen. But he's he's a, he's a tough cookie. He grew up rough, man. So Daredevil is a long-moving, fast, wall-crawling character with radar sense. While he's defending against physical or energy attacks, he had blanks in his defense roll to all his total successes. So he's very tanky, and he's got some good close-range attacks. Cool part of his kit, Chris, is he has Man Without Fear on his front side. When he when the attack is resolved against him, as long as he has two power, he can spend this. And the enemy is within range, too. He gets to perform a free attack against them with a strike. Very cool. It's reactive. And then on his backside, he has Devil of Hell's Kitchen. He pays two power, and he can, he can perform a strike attack or a baton attack against an enemy character. And... This is pretty cool because it it doesn't require an action, right? So once again, he's getting around that extra action sort of thing. And he also has Devil's Deliverance, which is a big A2 attack as well, where he just gets to keep going on everyone and push them all the way short. It's just very evocative Daredevil. Yeah, it's a very good attack. It's been used against me to great effect. Next up is Deadpool. It's Wade Wilson. He is a survivor of the Weapon Plus 
program. Of course, he is the Merc with a mouth, similar healing factor to Wolverine, uh, which is what keeps him alive as he is essentially a cancer with a brain. So Deadpool is unique in this game because he's one of those characters where they took some risks. He has very low health on his front and, you know, slightly above average health on his back for a three threat. He's got all physical attacks with his swords and his guns. But Chris, he has Merc with the mouth. Very cool ability. He spins three power, choose an enemy within range three. They just lose two power. It's just very unique. It's very strong. On top of that, he has I know karate, where he gets to reroll attack and defense dies for himself, like his own Zemo ability. And he's got his sort of affected mind with unicorns, rainbows, and sugar plums. He cannot be pushed or advanced by the effects of mystic attacks or enemy superpowers on top of having healing factor two. He's a weird tech piece against certain lists. Number 30 is Dr. Otto Octavius. Dr. Octopus. He is a classic spider villain, evil scientist. Some would say that maybe he's well-intentioned, Uh, That, of course, came out when he was inside Peter Parker's body. Love it. That's Superior Spider-Man. So he's a three-threat character from our core set, Chris. He's one of the only medium-based characters from our core set. He's got decent health. He's got good attacks that are respectively range three and range four. He's got his own little version of beast thing. When he rolls crits, he just gains power like from doing dice things. And he has wall crawler on that. He's got a size two throw that's range three. Very respectable. That's about it. He's a workhorse character that controls points next up we will be talking about the doctors strange and voodoo the first will be the early doctor strange uh, of course dr stephen strange and, and represented in this game as uh, relatively close in time to when he was a pupil of the ancient one this is you know after he's dealt with uh, losing his the, the ability to be a top end surgeon or surgeon at all so this is a very early doctor strange then we're going to move on to doctor strange sorcerer supreme and this of course is the more offensive he's been the sorcerer supreme for a while this is the Stephen Strange that you kind of know in from the new movie this is the Stephen Strange you see in the comics at at the mostly the current time yeah This is the Sorcerer Supreme. Great, Chris. Well, I'm going to go through both of them, what they're like in the game. So both these characters, I'll just say up front, have a lot on their card. And they're two of my favorite characters in the game. Tons of superpowers, tons of reactions, tons of innate superpowers. They've got ability to Doctor Strange, number one in particular, has access to gems. There's a lot going on here. And you'll have to dig into our episodes for more. But the first Doctor Strange is the leader of the Defenders. He gives the Defenders mystic empowerment once per turn. When an allied character declares an attack for choosing the target, you can spend one power. If it does, you can change the attack type to a different type if you want. And if the attack deals damage, the card character gains the hex spell special condition. Very powerful. Doctor Strange in this first iteration is more of a support piece. He can move his enemies with attacks. He's got consistent attacks. He also has defensive tech for his team, healing for his team, and he also has the shield of the Seraphim when he when he rolls dice. As long as he rolls one shield, he gains a power, so he's got his own power builder. But both of these Doctor Strange Chris have the Eye of Agamotto, and I just gotta talk about it now. This character can modify and re-roll skull dice results. Very cool. Also, this character may roll re-roll all of his attack or all of his defense dice one time in an attack window. So pick up all the dice and try again with this character on attack or defense. It makes him very consistent. And the Doctor Strange I just mentioned is five threat and Doctor Strange Sorcerer Supreme is also five threat. So they're both five threat. Though the first Doctor Strange, you can add gems to make him higher threat. That's of course 
the Time Gem and Soul Gem, respectively. Doctor Strange, Sorcerer Supreme, what we, we call Supreme Strange on this podcast, as Chris said, is very offensive. He does a lot of damage. He has great range attacks. He can change his attack types. He also has Pierce on his strike, and he has a great a2 Spender, the Shining Circle of the Seraphim, where he can heal his allies and not deal damage to them from an A2 like you would normally. But most importantly, Chris, this Strange has the Scalpel of Strange. It's one of the most expensive superpowers in the game. It costs four power, but he can place himself or an ally or enemy within range two, range three, somewhere else of where they are. It's very powerful. It's very good. And also the Sorcerer Supreme Strange to show his power. He doesn't have the defensive tech or healing or anything for his team, but he gets additional power during the power phase. He also has Eye of Agamotto. And most importantly, Chris, my favorite part of this character is not even the scalpel. It's the Mystic Armor of Strange. When Strange is defending against a energy or mystic attack for each wild and Strange's defense role, he can change one of the attackers hit critter wilds to a blank. He's got reverse defensive pierce. And every time he changes one of their dice to a blank with a wild, he gains one power. He's very defensive. Next up is Dr. Voodoo, formerly known as Brother Voodoo. Jericho Drum is Marvel's only practitioner of voodoo that is a hero, anyway. Very interesting thing. We'll get into him uh, eventually. But very soon. something very interesting about him, uh, he will succeed Doctor Strange as the Sorcerer Supreme in the new Avengers issue number 53 in 2009. Oh, wow. Very cool. Yeah, Doctor Voodoo is a very cool character, like using the powers of Voodoo and channeling the spirit of his brother Daniel to gain powers as represented in the game. So he's a four threat character that excels at mystic attacks. If he has his brother Daniel token on him, he gets extra defenses. But if he takes off himself, he can put it on enemy characters to make them not count for objectives. And then his defenses go down to low stats. So he's got a fun mechanic based on that. He's also got a throw. And he's immune to hex and incinerate because he is a master of voodoo. Next up is Domino Nina Thurman. She is a mutant, most often affiliated with X-Force. She's also a mercenary. Very intertwined with Cable works with him, falls in love with him, follows him, generally kind of around Cable uh, in a lot of ways, but recently has been more of her own character, which has been very awesome to see. Excellent, excellent character design with Domino. Well, as you talked about earlier in the podcast, Chris, her biggest superpower is luck. Exactly. So she's represented in the game as a very lucky character, so she can manipulate her dice to benefit herself. Also, enemy characters have worse dice against her. Very cool. And on top of that, she has an arsenal of different weapons with her automatic pistols, her grenade, and her lucky shot, where she just deals consistent damage from range, and that tends to be her thing as a three-threat shooting character. Next up is Dormammu. He is the most powerful of the inhabitants of the Dark Dimension, uh, the the race known as the Faltine that we talked about with Clea. Uh, he's also the most malevolent being in the Dark Dimension. Uh, he's just really... Uh, angry mean thing god of his own world right yeah so dormammu is a unique case in a marvel christ protocol because he's our only eighth rate character he has a stamina of 10 on the front and 12 on the back so he's his own version of a boss character per se and he gives his own affiliation 
the Dark Dimension, Flames of the Fall Teen. If Dormammu is included in your squad, that squad is affiliated with Dark Dimension and must use this leadership. So it, he doesn't have a list of characters that are affiliated with him. He just makes people affiliated with him. And during the power phase, every character gains an additional power. But also during the power phase, if an ally character has six more power, they take a damage. So they're getting too much power from him. So they break a basic rule where they get a bunch of power during the power phase. But also if they have more than six, they take damage. It's a very hard leadership. But on top of that, Dormammu's got a lot of good ranged attacks that do a lot of damage. He actually counts skulls positively for himself, Chris. And he also can place himself with some superpowers. When his allies suffer damage, he gains one power as well. So he also is kind of like using everyone like minions. He has flight. He's immune to bleed, incinerate, and stagger because he is sort of this boss level character. Drax the Destroyer is next, and Drax is a, another character with an extremely convoluted history in the Marvel 616 universe, but Dan Abnett came to the rescue, and when Dan <laughs> was at the helm of uh, the Marvel Cosmic line, uh, he really shored up Drax the character, uh, gave him purpose and you know a better history and backstory. So Drax is very cool and excellently portrayed on the screen. We love Batista. So Drax is a three threat defensive and strong damage character. He's what we would call a bruiser. He has great attacks at close range. He's got a throw. He's got driven by vengeance where if you attack him, he gets to do more things back to you with his attacks. That's about it. He's a workhorse that sits on secures for the Guardians, and he's a very cool piece. Next up is Ebony Maw. He is a member of the Black Order. Not a whole lot to get into with Ebony Maw. On screen, though, he was depicted as the uh, de facto leader of the Black Order, but it's Corvus Glaive. That's who it really is. Yeah, Ebony Maw in comics is actually more powerful than he was shown on screen because he just basically whispers something in your ear and you believe it and you follow through with it. You know, he's more of like an emperor Palpatine in the comics rather than in the, this telekinetic master, like we see in the, in the movies, which is more the route they went in the game. So Ebony Maw is sort of a unique character. He's like Dr. Strange in a lot of ways, but in other ways he's not Chris. He, he's got punishing stats where he's really bad at physical, but then he also has mind over matter. If the enemy doesn't pay two power, he gets to use his mystic defensive six. So it's, it's very strong. He's got good range attacks from range four, and he's got incredible throws of terrain. He also gains more power in the power phase innately because he does not have a strike building attack. He only has a gainer attack. So it's sort of a different take on the character uh, to play. And he's got seven health on the front and six on the back. So he's also moderately healthy for a five threat character, but uh, he's still a five threat. You're paying a lot for it. Next up is a very cool character. It's Electra. And of course, she's Electra Nachios. She is an undead ninja, sometimes romantic interest for uh, Daredevil, of course, sometimes enemy of Daredevil, leader of the hand. And she is terminally cool. Absolutely, Chris. I love her so much. So Electra in the game. She is a very unique character. She's a four threat character that only has one job. It's killing models. And she doesn't even have a way to build power necessarily in the normal scheme of the game. So she's got her own puzzle. But if you get power on her, which you can, you can spend power and do a lot of damage. And that's kind of her goal. She also has stealth and she has martial prowess, gives her a little bit of defense on top of the stealth. So she is a model deleting character and model deleting character only. Next up is Enchantress. This is Amora, not Sylvie. Of course, she is an Asgardian. She is a magic user. And like Loki, she kind of inhabits that 
trickster god kind of space and she is never to be trusted yeah and she's exactly like that in the game because she's a four threat control character that's of course an asgardian where she gains extra power during the power phase but she also has flight and she has enchanting which is a different type of ebony moss ability i just mentioned she can also use her mystic defense for attack types unless the enemy character pays two so another form of control because your enemies are paying power to attack her on her weaker defenses she's got a throw She's got a beam. She's got to steal objectives from you. She can enchant you and move you at will. So she's a very strong control piece, and she's been in the game for a long time for good reason. Next up is Gambit, Remy LeBeau. He's that lovable Cajun thief. Uh, kind of a problematic history, but they've been doing a good job at like cleaning that up lately. Most interestingly, I think, was the Age of Apocalypse Gambit and the Externals. I thought that was a very cool kind of concept, not that it was an awesome execution. Very cool. So yeah, Gambit is a fan favorite character for a lot of his superpowers. He's pretty cool in the game, Chris. He's a three threat character that has got some versatility. He's got pushes on his strike, and then he's got his range attacks, of course, where he's throwing his cards with kinetic ace and 52 card pickup that do a lot of damage have interesting wild triggers. Something unique about his character that no other character has. He has a little something extra. He can pay one power. After he rolls dice, he can use his superpower to change one hit in his attack roll to a wild. So you can kind of guarantee he gets his wild triggers when he wants them. Very unique. No one else in the game has that. They're just based off of dice and rerolls. He can just turn a dice to a wild, trigger that wild. And it's very cool, but he is probably not the epitome, but he's in the realm of conversation for a glass cannon. He really has no defensive tech, but does a lot of damage. Following Gambit, it's going to be Gamora. She's the deadliest woman in the universe. She is Thanos' favorite daughter. She is a (laughs) guardian of the galaxy, and sometimes she is trapped in the soul stone. I love Gamora. I think she's an extremely interesting character, and some of the things they've done with her post soul stone have been very interesting and thought provoking very good i'm really glad we have encountered her now after electra and gambit because once again gamora is another glass cannon character that deals a ton of damage just like electra she's has one goal and one goal only has this four threat it's to daze other models get in there deal damage she also has her own version of black panther's pounce which is very cool gives out more damage where she throws herself into enemy models and she's got a little bit of dice fixing with deadly swim in the galaxy when she makes an attack she can change one dice result to a hit for each wild in her attack roll so if she has wilds in her attack roll and she's got some results she doesn't like she can flip results she doesn't like to more attack damage just another consistent damage dealer that deletes models like electra but long mover as well next up is ghost writer johnny blaze the spirit of vengeance riding his chopper into your hearts he's very cool he's very indifferent he's very indifferent about who he smites he's the spirit of vengeance there's there's not a lot to say he's a demon that rides a motorcycle and it's awesome he's awesome in this game chris he's a five threat we're seeing a lot of right now finally i love it. i know he has very little control No throws, no pushes, which is very unusual in this game, but he has tons of damage and he has support for his team in a unique way, because as long as you're not attacking Ghost Rider and you're attacking the members of his team, he's judging you and doing bad things to you. So it forces you to attack him. So it's a version of control without having control pieces. He also has immunity to bleed, hex, incinerate, and poison now, which is just incredible. He also has the spirit of vengeance. If uh, damage dealt to allies, Ghost Riders gains power to do more things. And he also has hell on wheels. He's a large base. He can pay 
three power to advance himself long without an action. He's fast as well. Next up is Ghost Spider. It's Gwen Stacy, but of course this is an alternate reality version of Gwen Stacy. And in this reality, Peter Parker died and Gwen got bit by a spider. Pretty interesting. But ultimately, she was born because an artist had an awesome kind of alternate reality cover and the character design mm-hmm. was so good that they've just been trying to make her work and one day she will character i love one of my favorite characters in this game and she's a great piece in the game because she's a three threat character that's a long mover that has control elements where she can web line people off points she also has lifesaver where she can kind of do her own version of bodyguard where she can pull her allies towards her her and get them out of attacking range of enemies very powerful top of that she's got three attacks that are consistent and solid on top of being a wall crawler next up is green goblin of course norman osborne the original green goblin he is the leader of oscorp he's very rich and he's very crazy obsessed with spider-man and uh his you know his his brain was not helped by the goblin serum that he kind of invented and ingested rides around on a very cool glider absolutely so goblin's another leader in this game he is the spider foes leader gives you the oscorp weaponry affiliation ability once per turn when an allied character is attacking during the modify opponent's dice step you can reroll one of the opponent's defense dice very strong. Goblin's a crazy piece, Chris. We've talked about this many times on the show, and you just got to listen to our episode. His front side and back side are very different, stat-wise and ability-wise. He does a lot of damage from afar. He has hit and run. He has trick-or-treat, where he blows up buildings and does damage to you. He has arch-nemesis Peter Parker, where he gets to do more things against Spider-Man. He has flight. He's a medium mover with a medium-sized base, so he's fast. And on his backside, he gets the best version of Black Panther and Gamora's pounce in the game. Glider Ram, it's a size 3 medium move pounce it does damage on his backside because he is gone crazy and he no longer counts for objectives i am groot i am groot i'm groot that's groot groot's a tree rocket's best friend the chewbacca to the han solo of rocket and groot we've talked about many times and in this game chris he's just a tree he's a body right (laughs) it's kind of frustrating because i kind of love his kit in some ways but it's just not quite good enough to take him like unless you're running the guardians and just you know need that defensive presence or want to run the tactics card with him and rocket and a bodyguard for rocket (laughs) which is very nice but he's Groot, man he's a ton of health a ton of health for a three threat the most the most in the game for a three threat He's 14. He's the same as Carnage, and he's a three threat. He's got strikes. He can heal himself. He can give enemies root. Very cool, Chris. He has one of the cooler spenders in the game. Costs five, but it's Iron Groot. It's a strength of eight, and you can throw the character medium. It doesn't matter what size they are. They could be Dormammu. They could be Hulk. He's throwing a medium. That's pretty good. Next up is Hawkeye, Clint Barton. Hawk guy, if you will. He's a lovable loser. He's got no superpowers. Uh, he is just a mortal man. And like most of us mortal men, he has trouble in the romance department. Hawkeye is pretty fun in this game, Chris, because he is a early version of a three threat specialist. He has one job and he does it very well. He is a long range attacker that keeps out of close range of his enemies because if he gets in close range, he's probably in trouble. He has range five attacks. He has a hook arrow where he can place himself range three, which is just absurd of his current position. And he's he's sending out conditions with these arrows because he's putting different arrow tips on and giving you all sorts of conditions, bleed, shock, slow, and poison. That's about it. 
He's he's pretty good. He is good. Next up is Hela, Queen of Hell. Hela is the Asgardian goddess of death, not to be confused with the actual goddess death that Thanos is in love with. Hela is also the ruler of Niflheim in addition to the ruler of hell, H-E-L. She is very, very powerful. Hell is very cool in this game. She's a four threat character that deals tons of damage. So she has a unique innate ability, Goddess of Death. When another character, ally or enemy, is dazed or KO'd, she gains a captured soul. She can have up to three. Then she has Army of Hell. She can spend one to three captured soul tokens, and she adds those to her next attack. So allies, enemies being dazed, she's getting more soul tokens, and she's doing bigger attacks She's also got respectable defenses on top of being Asgardian, getting two power a turn. Next up is Honey Badger, Gabrielle Kinney. She is a genetic clone of Laura Kinney and a brainwashed and, you know, abused assassin turned into a adorable little sister. Love it. Honey Badger is another two threat character. Once again, Chris, we love two threats on the show because oh. they're all so different. She's good, man. She's so She's good. good. She does not count for objectives, but she has healing factor one and she has ankle biter, which is this her own version of incinerate. Everyone range one of her just loses one defense dice. It stacks on top of incinerate and she also can't count for objectives. That's her only downside, but she has a strike that a three threat has, you know, so she's got things that balance out her inability with objectives. And of course, we'd be remiss to not mention she has tons of synergy with her sister, X-23, Laura Kenny. If an allied Laura Kenny is within three of Honey Badger is damaged, she can move towards Laura Kenny and vice versa. But Chris, we mentioned at the top of the show that, you know, characters like Black Dwarf, that sort of taunt. She has taunt. She has two dangers to ignore. She pays two power. You take an attack on her instead of one of her allies. That's good because you don't want to be attacking her. You're like, oh, she's a two threat. I'll ignore her. Oh, that, too bad. That can't even score VPs. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. She's a strong character and we love her. Next up is Hood Parker Robbins. He is originally a petty criminal until he has an encounter with a Nasanti demon, which he defeats and robs of his hood and his boots. Those hood and boots give him superpowers. And of course, he becomes the hood, uh, becomes a well-known New York City crime boss in the underworld, and eventually runs his own crime syndicate. It's not with his added drawbacks, though, Chris. That demon takes over a lot sometimes. Yeah, we don't like it very much. So Hood is a very strong character in this game. He's a three-threat character, just like Ant-Man, that has transform. So he transforms to his demon form, and he has different stats. On his human form, he's got ranged attacks with his hex guns. He's got healing. He's got the invisibility cloak with below average defenses on his demon side. He still has below average defenses, but he reduces all damage by two to a minimum of one. And he's got a incredible, basically four threat strike, <laughs> a very big strike on the demon side and an even better spender with her is empowered dark lightning, which then forces him back to human. So a lot of his kit is based around flip flopping between the human and demon sides of his transformation. Next up and coming in at number 50 is Hulk. It's Bruce Banner. We're all familiar with the Hulk. Mine is gray. What color is yours? Mine's green and gray's a wonderful Hulk color. Yeah, I have two Hulks. My other one's blue. So yeah, we love Hulk here. We love Hulk here. But Chris, Hulk is our first sixth threat in the game, and there's not been many sixth threats since. And he is a very powerful character, ton of health, 20 health, but he only has one side of his card. He doesn't have an injured side. 
His defenses are pretty normal, but he has powerful strikes and spender attacks. He has Gamma Leap. He can throw terrain. He has Inner Rage where he gets two power during the power phase. And he's immune to poison and stun. He's one of my favorite characters in the game to play because just his presence on the board makes your opponent play a certain way. Even when Hulk is not dice performing, they still have to play a certain way because he is there and he has 20 health of a body on an objective. All right, Jesse, let's get to the Hulkbuster. Of course, Hulkbuster is Tony Stark uh, in his anti-Hulk armor. And, you know, he uses this when the Hulk needs to be busted. Perfectly said. Call him the Helios laser too, right? Oh my gosh. So cool. What an awesome card, man. Yeah, it's a welcome addition to the game. So this is another six threat character in the game. Just think Hulk smash, Hulk buster control. That's exactly what it is. He's a control version of the Hulk instead of a Hulk smash version of the Hulk. But he also does good damage too. And I would be remiss not to mention he's the third leader of the Avengers, Hulkbusters. It's a flex Avenger leadership, but very cool. You can have it. When an ally character would suffer damage from a collision, reduce the amount suffered by one. So this team is just good at taking throws. Which is very useful when you run up uh, against Magneto, especially. Yeah, or Asgard or something, yeah. But let's be honest, man. This is one of the clear winners on best sculpts in the game. Easily, because it also comes with another sculpt, because when the Hulkbuster dies his 13 health, you pop out little emergency Iron Man suit. Just a little Tony. Yeah, it's very cool. Next up is the Iron Fist. It is Danny Rand, the Kung Fu man. Uh, He is a rich boy that grew up in a magical city Mm. and uh, plunged his, his hands into the heart of a dragon and became the Iron Fist. I love him. One of Chris's favorites. He's a three threat character in this game, a master martial artist. So he can defend against physical energy attacks from range three. He gains additional power during the power phase like an Asgardian. Very cool because he's the immortal weapon. He's got good attacks. One of them is a flying kick that places him automatically by his opponent. Very cool. But most importantly, Chris, he has the Iron Fist. It's the most expensive spender in the game. It costs eight power. It's a strength of nine. When he punches the character, every enemy character within range three of it takes a damage. Before damage dealt, if the target character had been activated, it gains a stagger condition, is thrown short. But if it had not activated, Danny punches them so hard, he puts an activated token on them. Sorry, Thanos, you don't get to go this turn. Very powerful. Next up is Iron Man. It is Tony Stark, billionaire industrialist former weapons seller and now recovering alcoholic tony stark is a corset model that costs three threat he's part of the avengers of course but most importantly chris he is a strong control character with range attacks and good defenses and that's what he does he keeps opponents at bay and keeps pushing them away he does his job well next up is gene gray marvel girl herself eventually the phoenix just a very pure good character when she's not the evil phoenix jean's awesome she's one of the most gifted telepaths in the marvel 616 universe cool character yeah favorite character of chris and mine and favorite character in the game of ours she is a strong psychic character on the field for five threat but not the strongest and that's good because she brings levels of control and support for your team that no other five threat brings most importantly she prevents your team from being moved from enemy effects as long as they're in her bubble she gains additional power in the power phase she has flight 
And also, Chris, she has one of the coolest abilities in the game, Matter Transmutation. Choose an allied or enemy character with an activated token within two of Gene. You have to push them short. It just wrecks those pesky criminals. Mind control, baby. Dude, it's so good. Next up is Juggernaut. It's Kane Marco, Professor Charles Xavier's mean awful stepbrother who just so happened to become the avatar of Sidorak and no one can stop him. Something that's always interested me about Juggernaut, Chris, and this is kind of one of those trivia night things, but you know, one of the characters in the X-Men universe that's a prominent character who's not actually a mutant. Right. He just put on the helmet and and became something different. There's not many, but yes, he is... One of the very, very few, even especially when you consider that he has been on the X-Men teams before as a Mm -hmm. quote unquote hero. That does not happen. Absolutely. So Juggernaut's interesting, Chris. He has a whopping 16 health at five threat. And I will say he's pretty much as tanky as the Hulk with his 20 health. So just think of him that way. That tracks, though. It tracks. And but he's only five and Hulk's six. He does nowhere near the damage the Hulk does. Right. He has tons of control he can potentially have more health than the hulk if you play him right because you're doing nice punch and reducing damage right onto him he also can't be moved by enemy mystic attacks or enemy superpowers on his healthy side when the helmet's on which is very cool but when he gets on his backside he loses that superpower but most importantly chris he's kind of got a unique ability where he makes a move he gains extra power and then his next attack adds three dice to the attack pool so it's a baked in part of his kit that he always wants to be constantly keeping that unstoppable momentum going next up is killmonger he's a wakandan raised outside of wakanda uh he will return to wakanda as a revolutionary leader and terrorist trying to exact the revenge of his bad childhood once again like blade uh, after his film depiction this character grew to insane levels of cool and I'm not mad about it. Yeah, Indijaka, Eric, is a cool character. And he's strong in this game, Chris. He's a four-threat character that deals a lot of damage. Mm-hmm. And he gets better as the game goes on because he gets kill count tokens. When he dazes and KOs enemy models, he gets kill count tokens. And then moving forward in the game, they always say in his card, he can reroll one dice in his attack pool for each kill count token he has. So his, his attacks get more consistent as the game goes on. He also has one of the only character cards the entire game that can score you VPs. It's Usurp the Throne. You pay for the card. You mark a target. If you days or KO in this round, you get two VPs. Very effective, but it has to be the highest threat model on the field. He's coming right after the leader of that team. I love it so much. If there's a tie, you get to choose. So if there's two five threats, you choose five threat you're going after. But he's a very interesting piece that you should respect when he's out on the field, just like Electra and Gamora. I really enjoyed that melee glass cannon play style very much. Mm-hmm. Next up is one of Marvel's best villains, in my opinion. It's Kingpin, Wilson Fisk himself, the kingpin of crime. And, you know, Jesse, he really went from being primary you know maybe spider-man villain for a very long time to now just the primary villain of any superhero that operates in new york right as kind of a home base whether that be street level or all the way up to a list avenger like spider-man which is so weird that he finally became an avenger for a while i don't know whatever Yeah, Kingpin is a very impressive piece in this game. He's a four-threat leader for the Criminal Syndicate, as Chris said. The Criminal Syndicate 
It's pretty cool. They can spend two power to pass assets of civilian tokens between each other, range three. But more importantly, the criminal syndicate, when they're healthy, they count as two healthy characters when they secure objectives. So objectives that don't have the secure words like pay to flips doesn't matter, but the ones that you have, they have to secure, they are very powerful. Kingpin is a very tanky, slow control character. He, he gives out conditions. He gives, he does tons of throws. He can reduce damage being brought into him and he has solid frame. This character does not suffer damage from collisions with other characters. So he is just a body on an objective. Next up is another classic spider villain. It's Craven, the hunter, Sergei Kravenov. He is the most skilled hunter in the world. One of the best character designs uh, in a villain, I think, ever. I think he's got a very interesting kit here in MCP, and he's also sometimes Spider-Man. That's right. Fearful symmetry. So Craven is one of uh, a model that we like to play on this game a lot. He's a three-threat character that is... You know, unique in the way that he moves, he attacks, and he gives out consistent damage, and he rewards his player for doing combos in certain ways and following a code, basically. But my favorite part about him, Chris, is he's got his own baked-in rerolls like Zemo. And on top of that, he has my favorite ability on him is Expert Tracker. It costs three power. He marks a target on the map, and all allies that perform attacks against that target this round get one additional attack dice. It's very useful, for sure. Next up is Lizard. It's going to be Dr. Connors himself. He is a geneticist that turned himself into a lizard person, trying to regrow an arm. He ate his own son one time, but then apparently he didn't. It's very confusing. Once again, a classic Spider-Man character, often a villain, but more recently, you know, someone that's kind of reformed or done their best to, which is, I think, very admirable in a character. Yeah, and he'd love to turn the whole world to lizards because he thinks it's the next step in human evolution. No, no, there's a chip on his spine that keeps him from doing that now. It's okay. Now, so Lizard is an incredible model in this game, a workhorse of the game, and one of the best sculpts in the game. He's a three-threat character with a good amount of health. He also has healing factor one, and he has thick hide. When he suffers damage, he reduces by one to a minimum of one. He has terrible attacks that don't do a lot of damage, and he's got a great throw. So once again, he's a body, he's going to be around, and he's going to be holding a point pretty well, but he's not doing a ton of damage. And that's okay, because he is just a big lizard that's healing through your attacks. Next up is Lockjaw. Lockjaw isn't a human. He's one heck of a good boy. He's a teleporter, and he's sometimes he's the pet of Miss Marvel, Kamala Khan, and sometimes he's Crystal's pet. But ultimately, he's he's just a heck of a good boy. Yeah, because you haven't mentioned yet, Chris, but Lockjaw is a giant bulldog. Yes, he is. And we just love that. So Lockjaw is a three-threat model for the Inhumans and other teams. I mean, he's just a pure support piece. I love it so much, Chris. He's got a great throw. He's got a teleport for his team. He's got his own version of Craven's hunting token with interdimensional bloodhound where he marks an enemy and everyone gets to perform additional attack dice against him this round. He's also in human, so he's immune to poison. He can reroll one attack and defense dice in his rolls. And most importantly, he has the innate ability, who's a good boy. At the start of Lockjaw's activations, if, as long as there's another ally within range two of him, he gains three power. So he's also a sort of tactics cards battery for your team as well. Next up is Loki, god of mischief. Of course, he is Thor's younger brother, uh, he fills the classic trickster god archetype in the Marvel Universe, and he's actually a frost giant. 
So Loki is one of the more interesting characters in this game. He's very hard to play, but he taxes your opponent immensely because he has God of Mischief. While within range four of Loki, enemy characters must spend one power before using an active or reactive superpower. So they, they pay a power, essentially to Loki, and then they pay their normal power. So he's the inverse of the Steve leadership. He's also a Jim Bear. He can hold the Mind Gym and Space Gym, which he both he likes both. And he's got abilities that make his attack and defense dice better. And he also has an ability Trickster. He can move out of attack range if he has three power and make the opponent do something else. So let's also talk about he's an Asgardian with two power. And he has three different attack types of physical energy and mystic. All around, he's a very cool control mage for the game. Next up is Luke Cage, also known as Carl Lucas. He has impenetrable skin. He is a street-level New York-based hero, core piece of the Defenders, kind of the heart and soul of the team. Also one half of Heroes for Hire. Love it. And something we haven't mentioned yet, but now we've talked about both Heroes for Hire, that's Luke Cage and Iron Fist. They have access to one of the better tactics cards in the game, Heroes for Hire, where they can bodyguard an attack on themselves instead of the character that your enemy is attacking that you don't want to be attacked. And then they get to perform a free throw against the target. It's one of the better cards in the game. It's really good and can really swing the momentum of a turn. Absolutely. And it's also very good when you have Luke and Iron Fist on your team mm-hmm. because they can also do it off of each other. They can bodyguard each other, which is very cool. Luke Cage, Chris, is the discount Colossus. He's a three threat character that's tanky, slow but can't give him bleed. He reduces damage by one. He's got his own version of the taunt. We talked about earlier with Honey Badger and Black Dwarf and other characters to name a few. And he's got a decent spender with Sweet Christmas. It's a big attack with a throw and slow and stun. But really, he's just a similar to Lizard. He's just a body on a point. He's slower than Lizard, but he does more damage than Lizard. So that's interesting. All right, Jesse. Next up is Modoc George Tarleton, otherwise known as the The mental organism designed only for killing. Absolutely. Very interesting character. Sometimes leads aim, sometimes works for aim, other stuff. But most, the thing we really have to touch on about MODOK is that Uh Hulu needs to bring back the show, You Cowards. (laughs) I know. It was so good. So unique. And Pat Oswalt playing MODOK, great choice. So fun. So fun. So MODOK is a five-threat high damage ranged attack character with throws, with some control, with dice manipulation. He's got it all, Chris. He's got a little bit of everything. Most importantly, he just makes your opponent want to quit the game because he has psionic force field. When he's defending against enemy attacks, he he turns all their wilds to blank, so you don't get to do any of your cool stuff on your dice when you attack MODOK. It hurts. It hurts a lot, but he's been a threat in this game since he's come out, and he's going to continue to be a threat, and you got to respect his damage because it's very high. Next up is Magic, Ileana Rasputin, the little sister to Colossus. She's the ruler of Limbo. She's the owner of the Soul Sword. She is the Dark Child. And in some futures, she will become the Sorceress Supreme. Love it. So Magic is another three-threat character. They're the most represented characters in the game. But she's good at fighting and mystic attacks, which seems correct. But most important part of her kit, Chris, is that she has Limbo Step. She can pay one to three power to place herself X of her current position, X being the number of power she spent on the range ruler. So 
she has a way to cheat movement with her portals, which is very cool. And she has Sorcerer Supreme of Limbo. When she's defending against Mystic Attacks, for each wild in the defense roll, she can change one of the attackers, hit Critter Wild to a blank, just like Doctor Strange. She's got her own defensive pierce as well against Mystic users. So uniquely, Chris, she is a strong character to hunt down wizards. Mm, yes, yes. I love I love that. She is one of the characters I really try to use more, but I just cannot find a place in my current teams. But Jesse, next up, we have to talk about Magneto, Max Eisenhard, the master of magnetism himself. And the most important thing to know about his character is that he was right. Magneto's right. That's right. <laughs> we love him. So Magneto is the first leader of the Brotherhood. When terrain is destroyed in a match, choose a number of allied characters equal to or less than the size of the terrain. Each character on your team gains one power equal to that size you split up. Very cool with Magneto. Basically, as the game goes on, more terrain is thrown. He's going to get more power for his team. Magneto is a slow-moving defensive leader that deals a ton of damage because he has a unique thing that gets around base rules of the game. Essentially, he's the only character in the game that can throw multiple pieces of terrain on his turn. Everyone else, it stops at the one. As long as he can keep paying power to do it, it makes him incredibly thematic with the character because he controls metal, but also it makes him always a threat on the table if he has power, because essentially these are attacks that don't require actions. He's just throwing tons of damage at you with throws. He also gives his team a lot of abilities through cards that make Brotherhood very strong. He has flight and he also has Master of Magnetism, which is very unique. The start of every power phase, he can bring out these metal constructs and set up his own train on the map to control the map with backstopping and also get up terrain ready to throw at his opponents. Oh, and did I mention he's sixth threat? We don't have many of them, so not many of those. Next up is Medusa. Of course, you all know her by her other name, Medusalith Amaquan Boltagon, queen of the Inhumans. Of course. Her hair is a weapon. She's an interesting character. It's hard to get me too interested in, in any Inhumans these days other than Black Bolt and Miss Marvel, but Medusa can do some things and is often used in the comics as, as kind of the more aggressive half to her husband, Black Bolt, and of course as his mouthpiece for a lot of the times because of course he can't talk without destroying everything. She interprets him a little bit more aggressively than uh, he always intends, but that, you know. Maybe maybe it's needed. Maybe they bounce each other out. Could be. Yeah, could be. So Medusa is another fourth right character. She's an inhuman. So once again, she gets those rerolls and she's immune to poison. She's got a cool ability with living strands similar to Angela where characters have issues moving around her. They have to do certain things to get around her because her hair. But more importantly, Chris, she got support for her team in the form of Royal Decree. She can move her allies or herself. She also got a good throw. And she is a great control piece because she's got on her range three strike she's got a push she's got a flurry they can also trigger another push so she's just holding a spot and kind of controlling it she's different from what we talked about at the start of the show ancient one being a very defensive person she is more sort of controlling through action you know through pushing through things like that so very strong character that has not gone away <laughs> that's good pretty much everywhere and she's not going to and i i think that's a good thing is you know uninteresting as the character can be sometimes and it's not the only one on this list but someone that uh is very interesting and in representing mm -hmm. uh the glam 
among us. It is Mr. <laughs> Sinister, Nathaniel Essex. He's been around since the mid-1800s and is kind of this behind-the-scenes figure kind of directing uh, the development of mutants in a lot of ways, bad ways. In some ways, he at least thinks himself a peer to Apocalypse and uh, just tons and tons of clones. And also, he wears a cape better than just about anybody else. He's also very obsessed with Scott Summers and a lot well, of Australia. All the Summers, really, yeah. Yeah, he's a summer-obsessed person. Now, he's a four-threat character, and it's interesting because he's one of these hybrid four-threats. He's he's kind of part tanky bruiser, part damage dealer. You know, and on top of that, he's his own unique built-in mechanic, similar to Hella or something like that, where he's taking genetic samples from everyone he deals damage to, and he can do things with his genetic samples, like remove conditions from himself, like keep himself defensively alive, like spend a tax card to clone somebody and bring them from his roster from outside the game. So wild. And bring more threat for your team into the game. It's honestly his coolest feature and probably where you bring him, but you know, he is a medium mover with a medium base with a flight that's respectable as well. And he's got good energy and mystic attacks. We just don't see him a lot because he's not on many teams, but people that love him, love him, they play him and they bring that cloning banks card. And it is so cool to bring a nebula in or something with that card. Next up is Moon Knight, Mark Spector. He is the avatar of Khonshu himself. Of course, constantly linked to uh, Egyptian mythology because Khonshu in Marvel, in the Marvel Universe is a, an Egyptian god uh, of the that pantheon. And of course, notably, Mark suffers from a disaffected identity disorder and has many, many different versions of himself that uh, lead for some very excellent storytelling opportunities. Absolutely, and lead to great mechanics in MCP. He has multiple personalities and innate ability. At the start of his turn, he rolls a die. If it's a crit, he can make an additional action this turn, give himself three, but it must be a move action. The result is a wilder hit. The next attack he makes this turn gives him two more dice. Or if the result is a blocker blank, he gains a power. If it's a skull, nothing happens. So he's he's kind of like you never know exactly how you're going to play him when you start his turn. And that's a very cool part of the character. And, you know, he's a workhorse three threat character like we like, Chris. He's got stealth. Oh, yeah. He's got wall crawler. He's got good attacks that aren't crazy. The avatar of Conchu attack is very strong, but it costs four power, but his bow staff and crescents are decent. And you know, the bow staff, which is very cool. The bow staff say you got those extra dice on the turn for your personality. Maybe you got that Jake personality. You got extra dice. As long as you get crit wild and hit, you give the character a stagger. So that's pretty cool. So his little base strike gets much better with that personality trait of giving more dice. Next up, Jesse is Miss Marvel. It is Kamala Khan herself, the best in human. Clearly, she is a young Avenger and notably a member of the Champions, perhaps their leader. And I think she was Wolverine's best ever team up. That's super cool. Yeah, he, do, he does well with the uh, mentorship stuff where he tries to. He does. It's a big part of his thing. Oh, I think he does well. I really do think he does. He he loves the kids. So Miss Marvel is another inhuman, but she's a three threat. She's immune to poison. She can reroll one attack and defense dice. Very strong. But she's another transformed character, Chris. We talked about where you transform to a different model. Her normal side, she's a small base character that has pushes and she has a throw. Very strong. But on her big side, she has big attacks and a big base. 
which is very cool. And if the target is a smaller character than her, she gets even extra dice against them. Yeah, I love that. And she also has polymorph. She gets become toad on the side, essentially, where she can reach objectives range two away. But keep in mind, she's a large base. So that's she's stretching her arms out a lot. So I find this very cool. What's interesting about her is unlike the other transformation characters, she has to go back to her normal form over and over again. It's not like you can stay in one form for a while and then like she has to go back. She's a, she's a young hero. Yeah. So very strong control three threat character that can deal big damage when she's ready. Next up is number 70. It's Mysterio Quentin Beck, a special effects wizard who turned into a super villain. Uh, He uses technology and um, other special effects wizardry to uh, present himself as a powered individual when he is not a classic Spider-Man villain and, uh, you know, wonderfully portrayed on the screen in Far From Home. So, Chris, Mysterio is a three-threat specialist. Very unique thing in this game, because most of our three-threats are workhorses, but Mysterio is kind of niche. He is a control-one-area guy, and that's his thing. He controls one area of the map. That's all he does. He's pretty good at it. He's pretty good at it. He's got mystic attacks. He's really hard to kill and attack. He's annoying to deal with. He's got tricks and traps. He moves models. He's good. That's his thing. It's just all control, and that's about it. And he's a strong piece to create issues for your opponent. Next up is the best leadership in the game. It's Mystique, Raven Darkholm. She is, of course, a mutant shapeshifter that has been very a very prominent mutant for a very long time. She is kind of a one of those behind-the-scenes forces that have shaped a lot of things. She is famously the mother to Rogue and also probably Nightcrawler, but we're not positive on that one. Um, just a very interesting, interesting character runs with Magneto a lot, often a villain. She's just very for herself though. That's something we're talking about our episode too, Chris. She's made a lot of very self-centered decisions and done a lot of bad things to people close to her. And that's what makes her more villain in our minds because she doesn't necessarily do bad things to heroes. It's just some of the people in her life, like her own children. Yes. Friends, you know, things like that. So all of it. She's a rough character in that way, but she's a very cool three threat in MCP because she has stealth. She's a long mover. So already that streams to us strong objective play. Yes. She has shapeshifter, which is one of the more unique and nuanced and difficult abilities to figure out in this game until you've played a lot of games. During Mystique's activation, enemy characters cannot use reactive superpowers or reactive team tactics cards. There's a lot going on there. Bodyguard is shut down. Taunt is shut down. You could do a lot of things with her uniquely that I think she fits in a lot of teams because of this. On top of her having one of the best tactics cards in the game, Deception. She can basically mind control a character to move them towards her. Move them off a point. Move them into that threat range. Very, very strong. Yeah. You're bringing that card if you bring her nine out of ten times it's not why you bring her no but it's definitely part of the kit one yeah like you said 99 percent of the time we we love rapid fire attacks you got a great rapid fire pistol attack so you're just getting two attacks off with one action but most importantly chris you mentioned she is a leader she is the second leader of the brotherhood freedom force once per turn after an ally character interacts with an extract token after all effects are resolved they gain a power so you spend a power to pick up extracts but then you gain it right back so your economy is always online with extracts very cool 
also Mystique can put down the Mystique token is what we call it. Any point during the game, a Freedom Force member of your team or Mystique can pay a power to put a token on a secure to represent they are there and they can leave it and keep scoring points for you. Very cool. Close it off, Chris. She has auto damage with expert sabotage, which is just a crazy thing. Blow up buildings. Awesome. And she has martial artists. She counts blanks and that range too. So she's one of those funny characters like you want her just in three, but not in two. And you don't want her outside of three because then you can't attack her because of stealth. So she's hard to deal with. Next up is Nebula. She is a daughter of Thanos. She is a sister to Gamora. She is originally portrayed as as a, a very a villain, but she has kind of made a bit of a face turn, more of an anti-hero now, and a member of the Guardians of the Galaxy. And of course, the route they went with in the MCU. Nebula is a two-threat character in this game. Once again, she has the sole purpose of one thing. It's delete enemy models with objectives because she gets assassin she cannot contest interact with her hold objective tokens but additionally nebula may reroll any number of her attack dice when attacking character that is holding or contesting an objective token so she is a very strong damage dealer for a cheap price and she's got cool immunities because she's a cyborg She's immune to bleed, poison, stun, and she heals herself one damage at the start of each of her turns with a little bit of defensive re-rolling of her dice. She's consistent, but once again, just like Honey Badger, no objective play from her. Next up is one of the newer characters to the game. It is Nick Fury. He's usually seen running shield or just being the man with the plan, defending the Earth as a whole from outside threats interesting character and of course samuel l jackson has really brought the character to another level this ultimate universe version of fury that was not from 616 became the main fury through pop culture through sam jackson through artists is literally drawing him like sam jackson before they even he was cast sam jackson just because they envisioned this universe's fury and now that's kind of the main fear everybody knows, you know, the, the old great. 60s fury is kind of gone. He's still around, but it's, I'm just, it's funny. Our namesake. So I'd be remiss not mention Fury's finest here, but Nick Fury is a four threat leader of shield. Last line of defense shield is pretty interesting. If you have your fewer VPs than your opponent, the first time each round an allied character is dazed or KO'd, you can score one VP as long as you're down on points. But if you're equal to or have more points than your opponent, every time an allied character is damaged, they have the option of spending one power to advance short towards them. You get aggressive. You get that crossbones, She-Hulk ability for your whole team. But Fury, Chris, he's our first character with grunts. He has shield agents. They're essentially another character on your team. They're a two health character that they can interact with extract objectives for free. But most importantly, when they are dazed, they get to place the extract objective range to not your opponent, which is just huge. Which is very, yeah, very, very strong. Fury gets benefits with his shield agents being by him, doing damage, them taking damage. He has cool spenders that are built around that. But most importantly, he is a support piece for your team, keeping that leadership online and getting you shield tactics cards. Next up is Okoye. Okoye is a highly, highly skilled uh, hand-to-hand combatant uh, leader of the Dora Melange, which is the wakandan kind of special forces a recent addition to comics relatively speaking and uh you know her her history is still being shaped so we've we've got a long way to go with her i think yeah she's a general of wakanda and they showed that in the game she is a very consistent 
defensive two threat. She's got bodyguard, which is insane for a two threat. So they balance that with her not having a ton of economy, but she has consistent attacks and she's got very consistent defenses, Chris, for a two threat. She is the most defensive two threat. Next up is Omega Red, Arkady Gregorovich Rosovich. He's a mutant that can secrete death spores from his skin. Uh, of course, he is was born in Russia and modified in Russia, adding his, uh, you know, tentacle things. A very, very interesting character. Uh, originally kind of conceived to sell toys, but has really developed into to some kind of crazy guy. Uh, also, he possesses a healing factor. Uh, and he has the vampiric-like need and ability to drain life force from his victims. He's so cool. So in, in this game, he is a slow-moving control piece that heals himself, which is very cool, Chris. Like, he can move models with his coils, like you mentioned. He reduces damage dealt to him by one to a minimum of one. Also, he has an innate ability, Death Spores. Enemy characters that end their activation within range two of him gain poison. Additionally, at the end of his turn... Any characters he ends up ranged to have gained poison. He also has his, what we call the bomb igniter, where he can pay two for death factor. This character and any characters within two of it with poison suffer two damage in the order of your choosing. So he hurts himself, but then everyone else around him takes two damage that has poison. And then potentially with his strikes, he can healing factor that damage back. So he's just a control piece for sitting on a point and he's very good at it. Next up is Proxima Midnight, famously the wife to Black Order member Corvus Glaive. She is an excellent, excellent combatant, very quick, and also uh, created by one of my favorite uh, comic book writers. She's no different in the game, Chris. She is a long-moving, durable, three-threat character with good attacks. But most importantly, she has Wife of Corvus Glaive. At the end of her activation or at the end of Corvus's activation, as long as one of them can pay the power and they're ranged three of each other, the other one gets to go. And that innately makes her worth more than three threat if you have Corvus in your roster. But she's an incredibly fast, durable, and consistent three threat outside of that. Next up is the Punisher. It is Frank Castle. He's, a, uh, of course, a psychotic loner on the personal crusade against crime. A long time, you know, Marvel mainstay. Also was a... Uh, Frankenstein for a little while. He's obsessed with injustice. I mean, it, it extends all the way to cops as well. You know, and there's oh, yeah. there's there's some real life irony to that too. Because he, I think, anything he dislikes more than criminals is uh, dirty cops. It's true, or, or you know, bad people. Authority taking too much liberty with its position. Yes, yes. So Punisher is a three threat character that is unique in this game because he is affiliated with no team, but he's a very strong damage dealer, has a great rapid fire attack, has a great spender sniper rifle attack, and he can blow up buildings to deal auto damage. On top of that, when his allies are dazed or KO'd, he gets punishment tokens and he gets to use them on his attacks to deal more damage to his enemies. So don't kill his allies because it makes him very mad. Next up, Jesse, is Quicksilver. It's Pietro Maximoff, Marvel's most prolific speedster. He is a mutant. He is uh, inhuman adjacent. Son of Magneto and brother to Scarlet which or was it that he was the son of the high evolutionary whoa i don't remember anymore jesse he's fast and they show that in the game chris he's a three threat character his one goal is to be extremely fast and extremely annoying and unkillable 
and pick up those objectives or run back and forth between secures. He's really good at that as well. He's got cool stuff on his card where if he gets certain dice results, he can do more movements. He can do more attacks. He can advance more. He also has speedster where he can just spend two power to advance long without taking an action. He also has can't catch me, which is a variation of Loki's power. When you target him with an attack, he can pay three power and advance short. If he's outside of your range, the attack doesn't happen. He's also a wall crawler. He is a problem on the table to deal with, and he's very fast. He's very fast. Next up is Red Skull, Johan Schmidt. He is Captain America's number one villain. He's a Nazi adjacent, oftentimes head of Hydra, all around evil incarnate. Yeah, just take over the world, right? Enslave everybody. Bad guy. He's a four threat leader of the Cabal. They get an affiliation ability, Master of Evil. Each time an allied character damages an enemy character with an attack, after the attack is fully resolved, the attacking character gains one power. Yes, Chris, that includes one power on top of the power you just gained if it was a strike. They gain a lot of power through doing attacks. They are a very aggressive faction. Most importantly, though, Red Skull is a very powerful piece. He's got great attacks to deal damage. He's got the Cosmic Cube, where you take an action to gain three power, just like Clea. And then he rolls dice. If there's a skull, he takes damage. If there's not, he's fine. But he netted power. He also has a teleport for his team. And he has the inverse of Cap's bodyguard. He has Hail Hydra. When you attack him, he can actually make you attack his allies instead. Because he does not want to take that attack on himself. Because he's selfish. Next up is Rocket Raccoon. And Rocket Raccoon is is an anthropomorphic raccoon. uh, Who happens to be a demolitions expert firearms <laughs> expert love and uh just one of the best characters who doesn't love rocket great pilot oh too. yes he is yeah thief great thief so rocket is a uniquely positioned character in this game he's a two threat character that deals damage like a three threat similar to nebula but his is from range he's also immune to throws because he's nimble he's also has small stature he always gains cover and chris he's size one so this means you can have him behind a car he can see you because you're size two and the car size two you can't see him unless you get around that car so he's a very cool turret sniper character and that's his one role and then if you bring him with groot he's even better because groot just takes every attack on him soaks the damage rocket will never die and he's going to do a ton of damage to you I love Rocket Raccoon. And I love that he was literally invented off of a Beatles song. It gets me every time. Speaking of characters we love, next up is Rogue Anna Marie. She is one of the most famous mutants. We all know her. We all love her. She's a very prominent superhero. She is a former Avenger, early on a follower of Magneto. She is a Southern Belle, and famously, she's the only one that can get that Remy LeBeau to behave. Yeah, she gets him under control. Very good, which is which is great. Yeah, she's a character we love. Take a drink. We mentioned Rogue and our love of her. This is the Rogue podcast. We've mentioned it many times. We mentioned in the last episode. We'll continue to mention it. She is one of the most consistent four threat characters in the game we have. She's very dur- durable. She has a charge. She has great attacks where she can change the attack type. She has Southern Hospitality, which is a 
spender attack that just happens to give you an auto size throw after it's resolved after you do the spender attack pretty good she also has one of the cooler abilities in the game mutant absorption she can spend two power she rolls five dice your opponent loses power basically to the results you roll but if they can't lose that power they take auto damage so they're either losing power they're taking auto damage and she's immune to poison with flight and has that baked in reduction by one on defenses she's good she's good Next up, Jesse, is Ronan the Accuser. One of my favorite characters. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Ronan is a Kree. He is a Kree Accuser. Mm. He will eventually run the Empire himself for a time. Unlike in the MCU depiction, though, Ronan is not exclusively just some evil guy. In, in In the Marvel Cosmic line, he's more depicted as someone doing his best to run an empire or what's best for the Kree empire, which is not necessarily always what's best for our heroes. So sometimes a good guy, sometimes a bad guy, always a Kree. It's Ronan. He's very like Romulan to me, you know? Oh yeah, man. He's and also, also like, let's talk about a cool design. Like, Oh man. And Ronan, the accuser, what a name. It's so true. He sticks out for a lot of reasons. He's a really cool character. Well, he's very cool, too, because he's like he's lawful by his people's customs, you know, which is different customs. But he adheres to those to the T. And it's more kind of neutral or even evil to some groups. But he's never going to, like, deviate from that plan. And he's very cool in this game, Chris. He's a four threat character we don't see enough of, but he's very unique. He's a four threat character that gives you a lot of retribution if you deal with him so he gives out judgment tokens which there's only two characters in the game that give out judgment as of right now he also when you daze him he gets to just move short and perform a free attack against you before he's dazed very unique to any other character in the game and he's got great attacks and then a great spender attack oh let's also not forget he also can take the power gem and he's immune to poison so he's weirdly a control piece that deals big spikes of damage out of nowhere. And that's unique. I like spiky damage dealers. Next up is one of my favorite bad guys. It's Sabretooth, Victor Creed, another survivor of the Weapon Plus program. He's, of course, the arch nemesis to Wolverine. He is a murderer. He has little to no uh, moral code, but he looks cool so it's all good carnage part two yeah 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 he's he's mutant carnage not quite as powerful not quite as evil or chaotic right more just a a very self-centered loner but side note that one time he did perform genocide on all the murlocs very bad person we're still (laughs) mad at him about it why did you have to bring that up i'm sorry that like that's like that's more than carnage there in some ways. Yeah, yeah, because like that was calculated. That was not that was just brutal. Chaos. That was brutal. So brutal. So Sabretooth is a unique model in this game. It's a four threat character that's really fast. He's a long mover with healing factor one. He also has aggressive on top of being a long mover. So if you damage him, he also gets free short moves. So he's just mobile. He's mobile. And also, if you deal damage to him and he has power, he can perform free attacks against you. So he's sort of a he's not a control piece because he has no control whatsoever. But his control is baked in the fact, like we talked about earlier with Hulk, where it's like he presents questions to your opponent on the table because he's just a guy that deals a lot of damage up close. And do you want to let him do that to you? That's where you're at. That's him. I think he's underrepresented in the game at the moment. But true, I do understand that 
those those dice are pretty swingy. So, I mean, I get it. Uh, next up is Scarlet Witch Wanda Maximoff. She is a reality warper, famously a, a, a villain if you're a mutant or mutant supporter, but otherwise just a misunderstood, very powerful individual struggling to uh, deal with how powerful they are. Absolutely. She's one of the more powerful characters in the Marvel Universe, and it's very much that in the game. She's a five-threat character that is pretty fragile, but she deals damage like a six-threat character. And that's kind of her thing, right? Like, she is not very fast, and she's not very defensive, but she gives out conditions like crazy, and she does tons of damage with her attacks because her attacks are above average. And that's kind of her thing, Chris. She She's also got a hex field similar to Crystal. Enemy characters cannot shake within three of her. And they can't shake Hex, Judgment, or Poison. So on top of giving out good damage, she gives out good conditions. Oh, what do you know? She can throw size four terrain. Huh. That's wild. All right. Number 85 on our countdown is Shadowland Daredevil. This one's not going to be long, guys. It's Daredevil, but it's Daredevil possessed by the Beast of the Hand. Yeah, the Beast has things to say and do. He sure does. Pretty cool storyline, pretty cool little comic event. Excellent, excellent Daredevil suit. Purple eyes are also cool. Yeah, Shadowland Daredevil, pretty neat. Yeah, if you just think Dark Side Daredevil, you've got it locked down, and that's what he is in the game. But more importantly, he is a secondary leader of the criminal syndicate. He gives you the Shadow War ability. When an ally character attacks an enemy character holding or contesting objective, it can reroll one of his attack dice. This leadership can also reroll skulls. We've talked about this recently on the show because I've been building this team a lot in my time and been working on it. And this is per attack. This is very good. Now, Daredevil himself, not that crazy. He's got close range attacks. He's got stealth. Very cool. He's got wall crawler, but he's a medium mover. Unlike our course, Daredevil is a long mover. So he's slow. But he also has radar sense, which we love counting blanks on any range <laughs> against physical and energy attacks. And when he flips to his injured side, Chris, his defenses switch from better physical to worse physical, but better mystic because the beast is out and very mad. Oh, yeah, man. He's not a happy beast. But I do mention while we're here, he's our second instance of grunt characters in the game. And I didn't mention this Electra, but she has grunts as well. But I wanted to wait till we get to Shadowland Daredevil. Electra and Shadowland Daredevil both have access to bring out the hand ninjas. And they have abilities that bring out the hand ninjas. And the hand ninjas are just the antithesis to the shield agents. The shield agents are all about getting you objectives, scoring you points, getting the objectives to you. Hand ninjas, they don't really care. I mean, they can pick up objectives and get them to you. They can ninja vanish, give them to you. But more importantly, they come out, they perform an attack. Hopefully they get their opponent bleed and then they ninja vanish away again. You know, that's that's what they do. They just strike from the shadows and stab you and Daredevil brings them out. Next up is She-Hulk, Jennifer Walters. She's the cousin of Bruce Banner. She is a lawyer and she's also been zapped by gamma radiation. She's literally the She-Hulk. She's uh, depicted more often as in control of the Hulk uh, yeah. than, than Bruce is. Also just really one of my favorite characters in Marvel, Jennifer just rules. Like, she's cool. Yeah, and her show's coming out very soon, so it's very exciting. So She-Hulk is a, another six-threat character, rounding out our six-threat characters. If we don't include Thanos with gems, which you take gems with him, you just do. You just do. So She-Hulk is another 20 health model, just like Hulk. She's got a smaller base size, but she's got some different slew of attacks. More importantly, she is a the leader of the 
A Force, the only entirely female team in this game. And the A Force give you an ability when an allied character is damaged by any effect, another allied character may gain one power. Very cool. As the game goes on, they ramp up and have more power. She also has a great throw. She can add dice to her next attacks with superior weight training. She also has bodyguard for her teammates, which we've talked about the power of bodyguard this whole episode so much. She has it and she has more power during the power phase like Hulk. And she has aggressive baked into her card. You deal damage to her. She's advancing short towards you rounded out with some immunity to poison because all our Hulks are immune to poison. And you've got another cool Hulk character in your face. I love it. Next up is Shuri. She is the sister to T'Challa. She is the Black Panther sometimes, but all the time she is a genius. That's right. Really leads the uh, Wakandan uh, kind of scientific R&D things, which is a lot of things. Yeah, and they represent Shuri well in the game as a three-threat character that's a support piece for your team. She pushes enemies with her gauntlets. She doesn't do damage really with them, but she pushes you, which is great. She also has super genius. She can spend a power to change her results to be more positive in her favor. She also has upgrades, which is one of the coolest abilities for her. When another allocator within four is attacking or defending during the modified dice step of the attack, Shuri can spend up to three power and they can reroll up to three dice. So she's this full support for your team. She also has her own version of Beast's Provocative. Once she rolls dice, if the effect is resolved, if she rolled a skull, she gains power. So she also has her own little power generator as well. Pure support piece for your team. Next up is Sin, Cynthia Schmidt. She is the daughter of the Red Skull and another enemy to uh, Captain America. Apple didn't fall far from the tree on this one. She's just a bad, bad person. A villain. I got nothing. I got nothing more. She's just a bad person. Well, and to keep it simple, Chris, she's the three threat leader for the Cabal. She yep. gives you red mayhem. So she's got a weird control version of Cabal instead of power gaining with her attacks. During the kind of phase of the game, you roll die. Every character contesting objective tokens. If you get the positive result, you get to move them short away from the objective. You also roll a die for each enemy character holding an asset token. Keep in mind, not civilians, only assets. And it's range two of, an, of one of your team members. If you get a positive result, they drop asset tokens. She also has hit and run. She has partners in crime with crossbones, which is the husband and wife with crossbones because crossbones is her husband. So they get to co-activate as well. But other than that, she kind of sits in the back, keeps your leadership. She's got some range attacks and stealth, but she's very fragile with only four health on her front and only six on her back for a total of 10 for a three threat. Next up is the Spider-Man. First, we will talk about Spider-Man Miles Morales. Originally from another dimension in uh, similar to Spider-Gwen, Peter Parker Spider-Man dies in this dimension, but Miles gets bit by a similar spider, has some different powers from Peter, but will become Spider-Man. He is now Spider-Man in the 616, more of the classic Peter semi-street level Mm -hmm. kind of role, whereas uh, the amazing Peter Parker is kind of a worldwide superhero for the most part. I mean, that's that's changed a little bit recently to kind of reset stories and things, but that's the kind of, that's the essentially the idea. Well, Miles is a very cool piece in this game. He's the leader of the Web Warriors, so he gives you the Web Warrior ability, great responsibility. Ally characters may reroll one defense dice. Additionally, they may modify and reroll skull results while they're holding or contesting objectives. Miles is a three-threat leader that also has stealth 
wall crawler and spider sense. He can reroll two defense dice when he's been attacked by energy or mystic attack or making a dodge save. He also can spend two power to web sling himself range three anywhere he wants. And he's got good attacks. Chris, his most notable attack is his web line kick. If you web sling before it, he gets more dice, he gets a throw, but also he has venom blast, which was our first instance in MCP before these other characters that came later. After the attack of venom blast is resolved, the character drops the objective they were holding. So Miles is just a a solid piece all around. His biggest weakness is that he only has five health on both sides, which is just something they do with the spider people. I love the spider people have low health, but they've got great defenses. 100% agreed. It brings a more unique flavor to the game instead of just classic, oh, they have six health here, five health there, eight health yep. there. Really varying the numbers in, which varies the the way the game is played. Next up is Spider-Man Peter Parker. Of course, this is the core set Peter, and this is more of the early Spider-Man representation of powers. Very preoccupied with making sure people don't get hurt, not doing a ton of damage, more more control, and using his brain to outsmart his opponents. I love it. So Spider-Man from the core set is four, four threat, Peter Parker. He's got three attacks. He's got web line where he can pull characters. He's got web pole where he can throw terrain. He's got spider sense where he can reroll his defense size. He's got wall crawler. He's a long mover. He's got impact webbing where he can push his enemies. He's got a strike and taser webs as well. He is a solid control piece that you want and your Spider-Man teams. Next up is a, another hero, another leader. It is Star-Lord, Peter Quill. He is a spaceman, and I mean, he is the leader of the Guardians of the Galaxy, very very charismatic, mm-hmm. roguish superhero, kind of below it all. Peter has a heart of gold and will do what it takes to help the people. Peter Quill is a three-threat leader, which is very nice because he's discount. He gives his team winging it tokens every round where you, during the power phase, you choose up to three allied characters, give each chosen character a winging token. And while that character has a winging token, it's attacking, defender, or dodging. You can spend the winging token to modify and reroll two of its dice. All Starler does is he moves around the map with flight and hit and run and shoots characters and gives out conditions with his element guns. Meanwhile, keeping leadership up for your Guardians of the Galaxy team. Next up is Storm, Aurora Monroe. She is a mutant. She came in the second wave of mutants in the 70s. Uh, she is a master of the elements. She's sometimes the queen of Wakanda. But what I think is the coolest part about Storm is how all of those second wave mutants characters, Storm has developed this sense of mystique and this aura of awe around her in the Marvel Universe. And I feel like a lot of that's kind kind of translates to her use now. I mean, she really does feel like a very important character almost all of the time. Mm, and I think very that's good. very cool and very unique to one of the, you know, mutants introduced in the uh, 70s. Yeah. And you and I talked about in our the Storm episode, Chris, like how she won polls across the world at her given times in the 70s and 80s, even beating out characters like Wonder Woman, right? Because Storm just has this allure. She has this power. She has this grip on everybody. And she is ethereal in her own way. She's different. Oh, yeah, man. Very cool. So in Marvel Crisis Protocol, the storm we have so far is three threat early years storm. Yes. Early leader of X-Men Gold. Once per round, you can use this leadership of X-Men Gold. 
If you're not holding objective token well, during an ally character's turn, choose one ally character within two of the active character. Now place the active character range one of the chosen characters. So Storm's giving you that Storm Hop. She's giving you a little teleport through her elements. Very strong. Additionally, when an ally character is targeted by an attack and the attacker is not within range two, the ally character just has cover. It doesn't even matter where you're on the map. You just always have cover on Storm's team. It is awesome. Storm herself doesn't do a ton of damage, and that's fine, but she's got cool abilities. She's got her own version of stealth. She's got flight. She's immune to shock. She's got a good throw. She's also got eye of the storm. When you start getting power, you can spend this to buff up all of her attacks and add two more dice. Then she starts doing a lot of damage. It's good. She kind of can come in for those late game haymakers uh, when the rest of your 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 damage dealers or low on power, maybe dazed, maybe removed from the board. She's capable of spending some power and getting a couple decent attacks off. She's a great leader. Next up is Taskmaster Anthony Tony Masters. He is a career merc, and of course the most notable thing about the character is his superpower of this very photographic memory, can memorize entire fight styles and the way other people move, which makes him an incredible hand-to-hand combatant he's also trained most of the henchmen in the marvel 616 universe and this is usually illustrated in a uh, very comedic sense in the books it's it's kind of fun he's also trained shield agents which is very cool shield hiring him yeah and why he's part of the shield team in this game so taskmaster is a three threat rogue agent we haven't had a rogue agent come up yet and rogue agent is one character with rogue agent on your team counts as affiliated during squad building. So that just means he helps you get your more than half of your team number, despite him not being part of that team. Very cool. You're hiring him to help your team. He's a three threat defensive character that also has very strong attacks when he gets power to attack back. He also has martial artists and he has intuitive pattern recognition, which I find very cool. Chris, if an enemy character targets this character with an attack and has already targeted him this round, so if they're attacking him a second time, he says two dice stole his defense rolls because he's watching you and he's so don't don't double tap him. No big deal. Don't double tap him. But very cool. Something you and I talked about in the episode of Taskmaster, which you and I just love so much. And I think it shines through in the lore. He has Baron Zemo's sword strike. He has Cass yes. shield throw. Yes. And then he has his mnemonic technique, which is where he's copying you where he takes your physical defense and adds it onto this dice pool. So the dice pool is four. Most characters have defense of three. Some have higher than three. So at a minimum, this is a six or seven strength attack. And then the target character cannot modify a reroll dice in the defense roll when you attack them with this. So this is him just like analyzing your defenses and getting right in. Next up is Thanos, the mad Titan himself. Thanos, the wielder of the infinity gauntlet. The husband of death itself. He's a big one. He's a big one. He's a very big deal, and his movies were awesome. Absolutely. So he is a sixth threat character, but we say that with an asterisk because honestly, the reason you take Thanos is he's a gym bearer. He, he can hold every gym. So mind, power, reality, soul, space, time. He's also immune to stun. But most importantly, Chris, he has being of immeasurable power. When this character suffered damage from any effect, reduce the amount suffered by one, not to a minimum one. Reduce it down by one. Additionally, Thanos may have two infinity gems rather than the normal one, and he can use the cost of the gem for free. Continuing this, he's also the leader of the Black Order. He gives you Death's Agenda. Black Order, when an enemy character is KO'd, the Black Order score a point. 
He also has Cosmic Portal, one of the best abilities in the game. Chooses another character within four of Thanos. Four, Chris. Place the target character range two of their current position. And then he also has Death's Decree, where he can spend two power to give his allies two more attack dice when they perform attacks. He's got a great strike with the throw, and he also has Cosmic Blast, which is a spender attack that's fine, but it's more just you do it for the pushes and to add more dice to it. But you're really using him for his ability of support because I mentioned the gems are free for him. So you kid him out with two gems. Now he's eight threat, but you're using the gems every round and you're getting value out of him. Next up is Thor, Prince of Asgard. And this is your classic Thor, ladies and gentlemen. This is the wielder of Molnir. This is not Thor the Unworthy, which I really do believe we'll get in this game one day, and I'm very excited for it. But Mm. this is the classic 70s and 80s Thor, very, very powerful, do-gooder, long hair, let's go. That's right. So Thor is a five-threat character that's the leader of Asgard. At the start of each of your turns with Asgard, one ally character may spend up to one power if they do. Remove one damage or one special condition from that character. Each ally character may use this leadership once per round. So Chris, Thor is giving you this leadership, number one. Number two, he's very durable. He has six health on his front, eight on his back, which we love. He's got a great strike, a great hammer throw, and a spender that occasionally comes up where he channels God of Thunder lightning around him. More importantly, he has the strongest Avenger throw. He throws size four. He gains additional power in the power phase. He has flight, and he has four Asgard, which is one of the cooler abilities in the game. It's similar to Wolverine's. You spend three power, you get to make a move followed by a strike, and if you deal one damage, you give them auto stagger from Mjolnir. It's good. It's good. Next up is Toad, Mortimer Toynbee. He is a mutant, longtime henchman, especially for the Brotherhood of Mutants. Uh, has been a janitor at the Xavier Institute, but he's often just depicted as kind of a down-on-his-luck, criminal activities, kind of his last option because of poor choices in his past. So pretty interesting character, but you're not going to find a lot of source material on specifically on Toad. You know, he's kind of an ancillary character. He's always around, but he's never the spotlight. Bingo. So Toad is a two-threat character that is all over this game for good reason. He's a powerhouse of an objective runner, and he's very slippery, and that's in fact part of his superpowers. If you attack him and you don't daze or KO him, he can slip away, Chris, and get away with that objective. He also has the prehensile tongue. He's one of the only characters in the game that can interact with objectives outside of range one. He can interact with range two. He's also a wall crawler. He also has hop. He spends two power to place himself range two without taking a move action. He's got a tongue lash where he can push you. He's got spit acid where he gives incinerate. He's got it all. He's a great character. He absolutely is. Next up, Jesse, we're getting close. Yep. It's Ultron. Ultron is an AI developed by Hank Pym, classic Avengers villain. Pretty much can put himself in whatever AI body he has had constructed uh, at at any time. Impossible to actually get rid of. Just classic, cool, cool, cool villain. Really cool concept and excellent design. He's a fourth threat character in the game that is very durable, very hard to kill. And he has great attacks, Chris. And he analyzes your attacks and does better when he is ready. He also has a suite of ranged and close attacks. On top of that, he has flight and immunity to bleed and poison because he is a robot. He also has all, all will be metal, which is super cool anti-mystic and mage synergy. 
When defending against Mystic Attacks, he counts all wilds in his results as double success against defenses. That has more weight now than I believe it ever has in the game. Absolutely. That's future-proofing from them. And he also has access to one of the cooler attack cards in the game, the Age of Ultron. If you KO him, he can spend eight power. And if he does, he just comes back healthy, back into the game. Like one of his drones replaced his body, like you just mentioned. So sick. It's good. Next up is Valkyrie otherwise known as Brunhilde. She was selected by Odin to lead his personal unit of shield maidens, the Valkyr. She's renowned for her prowess in battle and always wielding her enchanted sword, Dragonfang. Yeah, and she was really strong in this game for a long time and still is because she had to be reined in. She is a very cool three threat that is great damage, great control she's that midpoint you're not going full into the damage and you're not going full into the control she's somewhere in the middle i find that very cool she's got a good strike a good spender she's got a throw she's got a charge she also has got dice modification and she's as guardian she gains additional power during the power phase next up is venom of course eddie brock the classic and beloved anti-hero a former you know kind of bully uneasy uneasy a lot has an uneasy alliance with peter parker spider-man very often but is also very often his most hated enemy venom is a very interesting character and the first symbiote character uh in marvel yeah and of course the venom symbiote bonded with parker first before it found eddie he sure did and it's a tenant of the character wonder if we'll get that version of spider-man that'll be interesting print some money yeah symbiote spider-man right yeah the black suit venom is one of the earliest characters in this game as a fourth threat and he has not left the game chris because he is slow yes he's slow and yes he has poor energy defense yes but outside of that he has everything else <laughs> so there's a reason he's not a media mover and has good energy defense because he's got to have some drawbacks he's got a great throw he can pull you he's got a good strike that's range three that gives auto bleed he's got an incredible spender that heals damage on him for damage he deals to you. So he's got his own version of healing factor. You know, he also has so many snacks, which is one of the cooler abilities that are in the game. If you attack him, as long as he has power to pay for so many snacks, he can attack you during your activation as a response. He's a very difficult character to control, to deal with. He's a control piece that you sit on a objective, hold it, and also disrupt enemy characters. Let's also not mention, forget to mention, he is a short mover, but he has a medium-sized base with wall crawlers. So he's not the slowest guy on the planet, but he's very slow. Next up is Viper. Ophelia Sarkisian. She's also known as Madame Hydra. We love it. That name. Yes, we absolutely do. She's very high ranking in Hydra. All around bad person. Uh, not really super powered, but, but mostly she's an excellent, excellent strategist and extremely skilled marksman. And oddly enough, expert with the bullwhip, which, Jesse, I'm not sure how that makes me feel. <laughs> with her name is Madam Hydra. Yeah. So she's a three threat character, which are workhorses of this game, but she's a long mover, Chris, with stealth, which is very cool. She has a unique ability of displacement ring. It's probably one of her coolest things, just like Ancient One has. She can spend two power to place herself range two, just like Toad as well. But she's also similar to Crystal in a lot of ways that I mentioned earlier. She has three attacks with three different conditions. She's a condition giver. And that's kind of her thing. She's got her poison blade that's range two, her pistol that's range three, and her viper strike that's range three all give different conditions. So she's a long mover objective runner that gives conditions. 
It's unique. Next up is one of our favorites. It's Vision. Victor Shade is, as he's sometimes known, but longtime Avenger. He is an android. He is powered by the Power Gem. Also, love interest to the Scarlet Witch. And honestly, very intertwined with the Ultron storylines, very everything like that. Just very cool character. And another one that I think is a little underrepresented in this game at the moment, as I think he's pretty powerful. He's still one of the best four threats in the game. I mean, Steve players still take him left and right as they should. Oh, sure. But he's a four threat Avenger that does a lot, Chris. He's got good defenses. He's got great attacks. He has a beam attack as his basic attack. He has a throw. He can also gain power as an action, which is very cool. But more importantly, he has immunity to bleed, poison with flight, and he has phasing, which I find just so cool. During the power phase, you choose if he's enhanced density or if he's phased. So if he's enhanced density, he rolls three additional dice when defending against physical attacks and cannot be pushed at all till the next power phase. Or you choose phased, he rolls three additional dice when defending against energy attacks and does not suffer collision damage. So you've got to choose right, but when you choose right, you're rewarded because he's very durable. I can't understand it enough, Chris. He has a throw of size three that's medium that costs two. It's that's insane. very good. He <laughs> is very good. I, I'm serious. Play more vision, people. You should, yeah. Next up is War Machine, otherwise known as James Rhodes, the roadie. The roadie. He is um, a friend of Tony Stark, and because of that, he got his own suit and of course, Rhodes having a heavy military background and affiliation kitted that suit out with a lot of guns. <laughs> and that's pretty much just who he is. If he was a Gundam, he would be heavy arms. He's got all the guns. You're right. And I love Gundam. So you got me right there at that, Chris. Gundam wing all the way. So War Machine is a three threat. He's a workhorse. He's got good defenses. He's got baked in damage reduction. He's got flight. No superpowers. <laughs> only attacks and that's kind of what he does he's not as good as iron man per se but he is better doing damage than iron man because iron man is durable with control roadie is defensive with tons of damage and that's all he is and i love it he's got machine guns he's got rockets he's got emptied the clip he's got it all is he tanky enough to be considered a bruiser or is he a a, a durable damage dealer I think he's probably a durable damage dealer, yeah, because he doesn't have anything on top of... Like, Lizard has everything he has plus healing factor, right? Yeah. But yeah, I mean, defense is 4-3-3 with reduction by one. Still great. Next up is Wasp. It's Jeanette Van Dyne, the ex-wife to Hank Pym. Similar powers to Ant-Man, of course. She utilizes the Pym particles. She's been around for a very, very long time. And I think it's kind of cool that uh, uh, Janet's kind of making a comeback with the Avengers, making a comeback in modern, modern comics. I think it's good. Yeah. So once again, Janet's another transforming character. So we have the two models and we transform to tiny and normal. She's got consistent attacks. She's got a throw. She's got flight. She's got stealth in her tiny side, which is very cool. And she's got some cool spender attacks on her tiny side, Chris, that deal a lot of damage. And that's kind of her forte. If Ant-Man's the mobile transforming character, she's the damage transforming character. But keep in mind, being a transforming character, you already have a tiny bit more movement than most characters. So something to think about. Next up is the Winter Soldier. It's Bucky Barnes. 
former World War II uh, heroic soldier turned into a brainwashed, cybernetically enhanced assassin for the communist Russian government. Utilizing similar tactics with the Red Room, Bucky was uh, turned into the ultimate weapon until Captain America saved him, saved his old buddy. And uh, Bucky would be Captain America for a second, but is better off as the Winter Soldier. Buddies for life, for sure. Oh man, pals forever. The bromance. So Winter Soldier is another three-threat rogue agent. So remember, rogue agent, one character with rogue agent counts as affiliated during squad building. Very cool. He is a turret character. He has a range five assault rifle attack, just like Hawkeye. Very cool. And it's actually a strike. So he builds power to damage dealt. He also has a good melee attack, Red Fury. But most importantly, Chris, his coolest part of his kit is he has I Got Your Back. If an ally character is dazed or KO'd by an enemy effect anywhere on the map, after the effect is resolved, Bucky can spend three power to use the superpower, and then he assault rifles the person that just dazed his friend. So he gets out of activation attacks. We always love out of activation attacks here on this show. Next up is... Wolverine. It's James Logan Hallett. It's everybody's favorite. The short Canadian with a bad attitude. He is a, a you know the pan ultimate survivor of the Weapon Plus program. I think he was the best leader of the X Men. And yep, I don't know. I think he's an awesome character, even though he was very overused for a long time. I still love him. I still, <laughs> gosh darn, love him. It's no surprise to any longtime listeners, Chris, that he's absolutely one of our favorite characters in all of Marvel. And it's hard to pin down why he we love him so much. It's true. There's a couple features that lock that down. And I think some of it is you and I have talked off Mike and on Mike a lot. It's his grit. It's his determination. 100%. It's his willpower. It's his devotion to doing what's right, at least what's right with him. And on top of that, he is one of these morally good characters that has suffered through so much trauma and so much bad stuff. And he struggles with a lot of it himself, alcoholism. He struggles with the bloodlust. <laughs> There's a lot Hell of yeah, things, man. but he's a morally good character on top of that. And it innately makes him so compelling. And it's why I think we love him so much. And his superpowers are cool. <laughs> Man, well said. And also his character design's insane. Insane. Yeah. Just it's so good. And you know, who doesn't love a little little guy that never gives up and has claws? It's awesome. <laughs> it's so true. And he's no different in Marvel Christ Protocol. He's a four threat character with a ton of health, which is cool. He's at a very respectable twelve. But on his back, he gets a bunch of extra stuff. Yeah, man. Uh, he gets immunity to stagger. You know, both sides, he has healing factor too. So his health number is actually in question of what it actually is. He's got great close range attacks. He weighs so much more when you throw him. The theme is right there. He's just, he's one of those dice dependent characters we talked about before, Chris, where what makes him better than Sabretooth in our minds here on the show is the healing factor too. Yes. a little bit more health even though he's a medium mover that's okay and since they're both dice dependent characters that kind of evens out in the end but wolverine in the right hands is just unkillable just unkillable he can be an unstoppable monster absolutely and we love him so much and let's also not forget on his injured side he has wild rage it pops up when he's injured add one die to wolverine's sack rolls for each damage on him additionally he can no longer interact with objectives Okay, we lose objectives, but now he's just going to start deleting the table. And you've got to respect him because he gets immunity to stagger on the back on top of already having immunity to stun, which is great because... 
He's got to get power. We can't have him not get power. Bingo. Next up is Wong himself, uh, often depicted as the kind of servant to Doctor Strange that is now being rectified in modern comics and storytelling. I like that. In the MCU, he is, you know, the Sorcerer Supreme, which is awesome. Uh, He is his own character now in comics, subservient to no one. His own agenda, his own, his got his own life and it's. It's very good, and it's a welcome change. In Marvel Crisis Protocol, Wong is our final two-threat character of today, and he is a pure support, pure support. He is one of those unique characters that all he does is pass allies' power, gain power himself, set on objectives, and heal allies. And that's it. He occasionally gets a strike in, and it's insane. Once Every <laughs> once in a while, he'll, he'll spike and... You know, he'll, he'll daze a character. It'll be awesome. But most of the game, he is giving support to your team in the way of power and healing. And I find that very cool. He's good. He's very, very good. Of course, it's hard to just fit support characters in to teams yes. in Marvel Crisis Protocol willy-nilly. So you got you to gotta plan it out. But he's very strong in the right team. Especially these pure supports like Wong. Oh, Lockjaw. yeah, man. Lockjaw. Bingo. Next up and last, definitely not least, is no. Laura Kenny. This version of in the game is X-23. I think we'll see a more powerful version that is Wolverine because she is Wolverine. And everything I said about Wolverine doubles for Wolverine. I we love, love her. Them she's, both. she's probably my favorite character in, in Marvel, and she's definitely my favorite Wolverine, but really well adapted in this game one of my favorite characters to play in this game too well just like honey badger keeping the lore going she's a a genetic clone of logan per se i mean spice from his dna right right now yeah honey badger is from laura's dna but yes but but, laura uh, is laura is from logan's dna and she does have a slightly different power set not really power set slightly different claws really she's got the foot claw and uh, she's only got two claws coming out of her forearms, uh, but the same adamantium is bonded to that skeleton. She has the same healing factor and a similarly dark past. Absolutely. And keeping that going, Chris, she's a three threat character instead of Logan's four threat, but she still has healing factor too, which is just insane. She has less health than him. But she's got similar attacks. She also has a baked-in reroll with her assassin training, which is just awesome on all attack and defense rolls. We talked about how she has synergy with her sister, Honey Badger. If you damage her or her sister, they get to advance towards each other if they want to. She has bleed. She has pierce, just like Logan. But the bread and butter of her kit is frenzy. If she dazes or KOs an enemy character with an attack during her act- activation, she can spend two power to advance short and make another free attack. She can get really out of hand just with that pierce, and she's throwing so many dice. With a reroll. With a reroll. And if you're rolling X-Force, it's another reroll on top of that. So If you roll average with her with a reroll and you, say you get a pierce, like she's hitting harder than a lot of, as hard as a lot of five threats. Yep. So like you have to respect what she can do consistency wise but no charge is her big weakness that's her only weakness right there's just the no charge and no no throw but what hurts about her chris is if she gets to go and she just healing factors like you feel like you're down turns because oh yeah she just took all that damage off but that's it chris we made it through all of the characters over 100 hope you're happy felix (laughs) (laughs) oh man that was a marathon and it was tough but it was awesome and you know 
I feel like uh, the energy has come out of my body, Chris. But I mean, what a way yeah. to celebrate our 100th episode. <laughs> well, I will say if we're going to do something like this for the 200th episode, we can we can, we can, can take a while to get there. It's okay. Yeah. And also, you got to keep in mind, we just did approaching 110 characters. So pretty good. That 110 are done. I don't think the 200th episode will be <laughs> this many. I don't think they're... It is AMG. Like I watch me bite yeah, my words. Like, know, they, they could release ninety models next year, but that ninety is still less than one hundred and ten. You know. Oh, we hope you guys enjoyed. This it was really fun, and you know we miss stuff, and that's how it goes. There's there's so many things to talk about with these characters in Marvel in the in the game, but we wanted to hit on the main points, and we hope that we convey that to you guys, and you got a good taste of what these characters are like. And where we are in MCP right now, because Chris, like something we talk about on our show a lot, this is a moment in time and it'll pass. This is the fun part about having a podcast. You and I get to keep up with each other, keep up with the listeners, keep up with the game. And it's recorded in real time. But we got a big, bright future of mini extravaganza and other things coming up with a lot of new models, we're assuming and hoping. Fingers crossed, Jesse. Fingers crossed. Fury's Finest is supported by our wonderful patrons. You can become a Fury's Finest patron by going to patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. Follow the show on social media. Find us on Twitter at Fury's Finest Cast and Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch at Fury's Finest. If you have any questions, inquiries, or ideas or collaborations, email us at furiesfinest at gmail.com. And if you can leave us reviews on your podcast platform of choice, it helps us out. Thanks to Approaching Nirvana for our intro and outro music. And like Jesse said, every little bit helps, guys. And uh, we're very blessed and humbled to have had the amount of support uh, you've all uh, poured out on us uh, thus far. Absolutely. And we cannot thank you enough. If you're new here, uh, definitely subscribe to the show and spread word of the show. If you like, as Chris just said, and help us out, but more importantly, thank you for being here. Thank you for finding the show because you know, we've had a lot of loyal listeners for a long time, Chris, but at the same time, the game's blowing up right now. The world's opening up. Like you mentioned, yeah, baby, we got new listeners. We got new players. We want this game to spread. And that's the reason why we keep at this every episode so if you can subscribe that helps out a lot but even better if you can share this with a friend and spread the love of this game to other people we would really appreciate it of course you can find chris and i on social media you can find me jesse on social media at jesse aiken chris where can everyone find you you can find me on twitter at chris bruffett b-r-u-f-f-e-t-t we are tweeting up about the thunder we got the number number two pick in the draft baby let's go I'm so happy that that turned in a positive way, Chris. You know, Me too. I didn't expect it. Yeah. But yeah, Chris, that's it for our 100th episode. It was really fun. We've got some other fun episodes coming out in the future, listener. I would love to return to the commentary and stuff. And honestly, Chris, you know, not to pat ourselves on the back too much. This year has been the year of the After Dark secondary feed. And in recording those episodes with you and just us letting it loose and then me editing them and then putting them out on the Patreon for those listeners that feeds really good man it's really different <laughs> you know like it's it it's it's a break for us here to do something different but on top of that like we are doing double episodes but on top of that we're just talking about tons of stuff i mean last episode we talked about space lions we sure did jesse we sure did and uh the after dark series is really i'm not gonna lie to you guys it's it's a pleasure to record it's almost not like work because it's just me and jesse <laughs> hanging out like we've done for years and yep. um it's really fun give it a give it a shot sometime we will 
probably almost definitely be posting an episode on the main feed as a teaser in the upcoming months. So yeah, like we did a couple months back. Yeah, that's right. You know, we get pretty personal here on this main feed, Chris, and we, we, we lay a lot of things bare, but that's even more personal. And you find a lot of nerdy things about us and life events coming up for us and some of the other hobbies we're into and stuff. It's really fun. It's, uh, we just let it go. We just let it go and flow and it's really fun to do. So you're, I, I agree with what you said. It's, it's not like recording extra episodes. So we hope you guys enjoyed that, but this is a fun anniversary episode of the podcast. You know, it's been a fun ride, Chris, of primary episodes list building episodes, guest episodes with people like Omnis, commentaries, movie reviews, news. The list goes on, right? We've done a lot on this feed. We've covered a lot. And we'll continue to cover more and continue to stretch ourselves and improve as podcasters and make this worthwhile of your time that you commit with us every time we post an episode. So thank you for staying with us. And we're going to keep going. Chris, (laughs) we made it, man. A hundred episodes, man. Honestly, it's it's pretty incredible. I don't even think I've really stopped to uh, congratulate myself on it or really let it sink in yet. But uh, I know, me either. Just such a blessing. And uh, thank you all for being with us from the bottom of our hearts. It's just, it's so humbling and it's so amazing. And uh, we love this game and we love you. Can't say it any better. So thanks for listening, true believers. Excelsior. The world has gotten even stranger than you already know. At this point, I doubt anything would surprise me. Ten bucks says you're wrong. 